Hello, listeners, and welcome to a brand new episode of We Heart Hartnett, the podcast that explores the filmography of the actor Josh Hartnett, movie by movie. I'm Patrick Willems. And I'm Jacob Torpy. And I'm Matthew Torpy. Hello. And today, big episode, guys, because we got a guest. And this guest is, it's a big deal for multiple reasons. First of all, the first female guest on the podcast. First, by no means the last. Mm -mm. So finally, it's been a bit of a sausage fest here for, 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 for months now. Sure has, for tens of films. Sure has, Patrick. <laughs> and we're changing that up. But also, today, in the studio, we've got not just the brothers Torby. We've got another set of siblings... My sister Mary Willems is here. Welcome, Mary. Hello, Mary. Welcome. And to make it very clear for the listeners, Mary is the same age as Jake, and Matt is the same age as me, and we all went to high school together. Yeah. So that is true. So it it all links up perfectly. Yeah. Like aligning planets. And this podcast does bring families together. (laughs) Yeah. It does. Yeah. Exactly. Jake and Matt were really just like on the outs. For the, it's looked like they might they had a rough falling out at the end mm-hmm. of last year. It looked like they would never talk again. And then I had this idea. Pat, you know what Pat did? First thing before this was he made a dinner reservation and he told each of us respectively <laughs> that he wanted to take the, uh, us out to dinner. And then we realized it was actually a setup when me and Jake locked eyes across the the, he the, the, the restaurant. Yeah, and I was mad at well, first. You're like, well, I'm not talking to this prick and blah blah. blah. And then I'm like, well you're here we might as well just get a nice glass of wine <laughs> and then i was disguised as the bartender <laughs> and a good spaghetti and all Pat had was a huge mustache on and just like a, a <laughs> and i whispered le parent trap yeah more wine bring me your freshest wine and and now that's how the podcast came to be this is my master plan to rekindle matt and jake's sibling brotherly bond and it worked. And, and now Here we are. Now they're inseparable. Stronger than ever. Exactly. Than ever. Hashtag the Brothers Torpy. Hashtag the Brothers Torpy. Yeah. And, and if you're wondering what to call Mary and Patrick Willems, don't worry. Which you were. Don't we got worry. a hashtag for you. We got you covered because Mary thought of this years ago. Years ago? Five years ago? It's been a while. You know, Instagram was just becoming a thing and I was like, hashtag Willsips. Willems siblings. Okay. All right. But No, no, no. But like... Wilson is, is short for Wills. They Wilson can figure siblings. that out. They're smart. Exactly. Yeah, it's and not hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, Mary originally, she was like, I think we should be Will Sibs. And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, no, it's going to be Will Sibs. Yep. And then our friends were like, I don't know. And she was like, no, it's Will Sibs. <laughs> and then she, through sheer she force of will, about it, yeah. our yeah. friends now actually will call us yeah, Will Sibs. In real life. Even mom and dad will sometimes really? say, yeah, they, they, they've said that. Will Sibs to me. It's happened. Yeah. Well, that's the that's how you brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about like, is it good? That's like thirty percent of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. It, can you get people to remember it? It's just eighty percent hammering it into that's the right. fuck into just people's heads. Exactly. <laughs> For years. Yeah. That's it. And so now, that's a good hashtag that you guys can use. Yeah. Hashtag. Just use it a little bit less than Torp. Yeah, brothers nah. because they are kind of now in our turf, and they're <laughs> and sort of cruising here for a bruise. <laughs> <laughs> so fans, when you're talking about this podcast, when you're sharing it, when you're tweeting it out at your buddies, being like, I just heard this great podcast about a movie that I've never heard of before, you gotta you gotta listen to it. And and on that podcast, it's hashtag the brothers Torpy and hashtag Will hashtag Wilsons. Yeah. 
Also, Will Sibs is very simple. You don't need a the, just hashtag Will Sibs. Hashtag uh, don't start, yeah. Really don't start is kind of regal, you know, mm. for that reason. Mm. The yeah, brothers, like, brothers Torpy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sort of classier. Yeah. Sort of reflects the actual situation. Our hashtag <laughs> wears like a suit. Yeah. <laughs> your, 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 Yours has a barrel with some suspender straps, probably, <laughs> if there was an outfit for that not, hashtag. Not inaccurate, but you know what? A it boot has... with one floppy toe. <laughs> That's its charm. It's got yeah. it's got coveralls. Yeah. It's got a little yeah. butt flap on there. <laughs> the, the barrel butt flap. Exactly. Yeah. Still made out of the oak. But everyone loves it. Like mm-hmm. a hard up guy in the depression. <laughs> That's sort of what yours is. Yeah. Yep. We're ours is like Don Draper. Sure. And Mary's not a man. <laughs> no. I'm in fact the first woman. The first woman. Of this podcast. Not the last. <laughs> we'll, I promise we'll have more. You better. So I didn't even realize that. I've been listening to the podcast the whole time, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll come on. And then you were like, yeah, first female guest. So I was like, what? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> no, to be fair, no, no. we haven't had that many guests. It's yeah. not like there's a guest every episode. It, so at the end of this episode, please vote on who had the better banter. Uh, <laughs> the Wilsons or the Brothers Torpy. And uh, begin the battle. <laughs> and... I, I will say, Matt, I wouldn't say that right now because I control the mixer. And if, and if your banter gets too good, I could just cut out your mic. They'll hear you the truth being drowned out. Exactly. But guys, it's been five minutes and we have not mentioned the film that we're talking about. All of the audience oh, already knows yeah. because they've read the title of this episode. Of because today we're discussing a movie that I'm pretty sure... None of our listeners have no seen. No one has seen. They probably haven't even heard of. I mean, Blow Dry, I think, was the most obscure so far. Yeah. And this tops that. This yeah. made even less money at the box office <laughs> than I Blow say? Dry. Jake, how much money did this make? Uh, well, I'll see the budget first. This movie cost $12 million to make. I will tell you, I found out that that's not actually accurate. Oh. But Interesting. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay. But then, the box office. Oh, my God. $84,000. Woo! <gasps> <gasps> let, let me make more specific because I think it's funnier. Eighty-four thousand four hundred and forty-seven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so that seven dollars was like one, <laughs> one ticket guy. back then. Oh. This was a bonanza. Yeah, and of course, this was a film that opened in two thousand five. <gasps> yep, to September tenth, two thousand five. And uh, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It had a two thousand six U.S. release. It oh. actually opened in Brazil, for of all places. <laughs> Wikipedia is giving me the Brazilian. It release should be date. noted. I believe the only theatrical U.S. release it got. I yeah. believe it played in Spokane, Washington, which yeah. is where it was filmed. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much played it up to be like, "Hey, uh, local people, here's that movie that that some of you were extras in. Now no one else will see it." Yeah. Oh, weird. I was also wondering the entire time where it was filmed. Yeah, I was like, yeah. It's not at Gonzaga University, a lot Seems of it was like the filmed around Northwest. there. Yep. Yeah, I was like, at first, I was like, Minnesota, because right. he's from there, and then right. I was like, no, maybe Chicago, because all the bridges. And yeah. I was like, but it's not that. Yeah. Also, I haven't had said the title yet. It's Mozart and the Whale. Not to be confused with that Amazon show that no one has watched. Mozart in the Jungle. Or, or the with the one. Noah Baumbach movie. Yes. That's Squid, Squid and the Whale. Squid and the Whale. So really so. that means it's about Jesse Eisenberg playing classical music. Mm-hmm. With wow. Gael Garcia Bernal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they I, fall in love. <laughs> actually, there would be an audience for that. I would watch that. That, that would make more money than this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie is Mozart in the Whale. It's a film directed by Petter Ness, who is a Norwegian director. Wait, how do you say his first name? Petter. It's not Pather. It's Peter with an extra T. Right. It sounds like the Irish name Pather. It sounds like it should be. Exactly, but it is Petter. 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 Petter and Petter. Petter. And it, <laughs> this is Petter. 
exactly. Who before Ezra this uh, had directed the the movie Elling, which I don't know anything. I don't know actually what that movie is, but it was nominated for the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film in 2001. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, he was a director of, you know, he was like fairly respected. And it's written by someone with a lot more credits that people are familiar with, Ronald Bass. That's right. <laughs> Our oh, base. Oh, yeah. Who and, wrote? Well, he's. Rain mo- Man. Okay, he wrote Rain Man, which is. <laughs> Sorry. Mary. Stealing your thunder. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm not afraid to. <laughs> Please, in, interrupt me whenever you get the opportunity. Okay. So, Rain Man is the one that were, is the big credit on his filmography. I think that's the, the screenplay that really like, he made his name on because right. I'm pretty sure he was nominated for an Oscar for it because right. Rain Man was like one of the biggest films of. 1988 it was huge which is is crazy to think now that like wait uh an r-rated drama about an autistic man yeah it's a great story no 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 it's got tom cruise yeah it's a great story it makes sense right no but yeah my thing is mary doesn't happen that movie come out comes out now it's gonna make me if it gets awards consideration and, and nominations it's gonna make maybe at max like 40 million it is not it's going to be probably at best in the top 40 films of the year not why, like number 1 do you want to know how the, much money rain man you, made how much sorry uh 354.8 million dollars okay. and it cost 25 million to the make okay to give an idea that movie profitable that movie made more money than solo a star wars movie is going to make <laughs> wow. And because the 80s were a different time, and Tom Cruise was the biggest movie star in the world, right. and that's how things worked back then. But anyway, when you say 80s is a different time, what, what, what do, you, do you have any theory whatsoever about why Rain Man was, like, the movie? Well, movie stars mattered back then. And, and, and adults went to More see dramas. To see it's like how, like, in 1983, Terms of Endearment was the second highest grossing film of the year after <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> okay, yeah. Things were different then. It was then. a weird, what wonderful happened? time. Uh, All those adults died, Matt. And now it's just kids uh, watching films. Several uh, studios stopped making mid-budget movies. Everything became either small-budget movies or big-budget movies. Right. Adults stopped going to the movies. Ticket prices rose. And then there was the rise of, like, the internet and streaming and stuff like that. Even in the 90s, dramas would, like, make a bunch of money. Right. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And yeah, all these things yeah. sort of... This is why, you know, I, I complain coalesced. when movies like The Nice Guys, which would have been a giant right. hit in, like, 98, right. don't make any money now. I mean, it is. Yeah, that's shameful. Right, because that's that's what this is like. Anyway, Rain Man, huge hit. This guy wrote it. Then he wrote Sleeping with the Enemy. Then he wrote The oh. Joy Luck Club. Damn. Then oh. he wrote Dangerous Minds. Then Waiting Whoa. to Exhale. Then My Best Friend's Wedding. Then How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Then Matt's favorite... How, uh, what dreams may come? <laughs> uh, then, yeah. then entrapment. Bruh. Then, uh, then snow falling on cedars, and then Mozart and the Whale. Oh, Fun no. fact: You want to know how much money snow falling on cedars made? Three billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you that? And that's just how the times have changed. It Isn't actually. Everyone thinks Avatar is the highest grossing film of all time. No, <laughs> snow falling on snow cedars. Snow falling on cedars. I, you know. I, 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 know, I, I know literally one thing about that movie other than that Ronald Bass wrote it. Ronald For some reason, I, I know that Robert Richardson was the cinematographer. Okay. That's, okay. Ron Bass, Robert Richardson. But, and then, oh, $3 billion. <laughs> but it's weird. And, and since Mozart and the Whale, uh, the only film I've heard of that Ronald Bass has written is this, uh, this little kind of like 
indie romantic dramedy uh, that Chris Evans directed like four years ago called Before We Go. That's that, right. Oh. When Captain America thought for a split second that he could start directing indie films like he wasn't Captain America. <laughs> oh, no, that's still his intent. No, I know, but, you know, I, I don't... Yeah. I, you know what? I'm betting not on him. If, if <laughs> Lincoln, that stink off you, boy. Uh-huh. And, no. um, hey, you see the trailer for Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born? I did. I that have. looks good and is probably going to be a huge yeah. hit. Whew. You think Wait, so? but going back to Mozart and the Whale... Nah. Did it, did it ruin his career? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. So, okay. This is an interesting... Taking a sharp downturn. No, no, no. no. Interesting point in the, his the career. thing is, for a movie to really, like, hurt someone's career, it has to get a lot of attention and then fail publicly. Right. And this got no attention. No attention. Yeah, didn't even have a no chance. One, no one knew this movie existed. Yeah. And so... Nobody uh, knew it was part of his career, so it couldn't ruin his career. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, exactly. This didn't even come and go. This movie just it did it pretty much doesn't exist. But and, okay. Oh, by the way, if you want to watch this movie, because I paid three ninety nine to rent it on Amazon. Yes. It's not even in the proper aspect ratio. I mean, it is. It, it, it literally was so frustrating. It is. It, as in, it is cropped in four to three like old timey like 90s tv so okay maybe, so i maybe watched go it. watch that movie and then go watch patrick's video yeah <laughs> but i mean about it's, about it's, it's, it's not even wow. like, synergy <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even the thing that like hbo does where it's like oh we took an anamorphic right. movie and then cropped it down to 169 to so it fills your whole tv right. no this movie doesn't fill your whole tv yep. this this is like you're watching an episode of friends from 1999 on your your widescreen tv and fun fact John Carroll Lynch is actually in every scene, but since the aspect ratio was weird, he's not in the movie anymore, and it's very weird. And it totally changes yeah. the whole plot. And so his audio gets cut off in the aspect ratio too. Yeah. When you're not on screen in the new ratio on Amazon, you also your lines are cut out. Yeah, it goes away. It's crazy. So Jake, do you want to explain what this movie is about? Wait, sure. Wait, actually, stop, stop that. I'll get back to you. Yes, sir. Because I didn't have, even start. We have a guest. I'm yeah. Just, yeah, I was going to say. I and feel like you're not giving me the full guest experience I think the just because I'm your sister. I think the problem is that I, I wasted so much time not talking about Mozart and the Will. I was like, okay, we got to talk about uh, Mozart and the Will. <laughs> no. Okay, Mary. Yes. This is this is probably the most popular segment we do. People are always just like just yelling at us, being like, well, do, "Do more of these segments. segments! Just have random guests on appearing in the middle of episodes. We can get another segment." That we like to call, and we should have a theme song for this, but we don't. Hartnet Histories. Mm-hmm. Mary, tell us about your history with uh, the actor Joshua Daniel Hartnett. Yeah, well, I've been thinking about this. And unlike all of you, I actually was a preteen girl when Josh uh, Hartnett was coming up. You were the target audience. I was the target audience, guys. And here yeah. I am to talk about it. We were crossing our arms <laughs> going, no, we don't like that man with his small, dark eyes. Did you, did like, you get that Pearl Harbor poster or what? I did you have something? I did not. No? Actually, okay. okay, this is hilarious. The first Josh Hartnett movie I saw was Wicker Park. Yes. Ooh, yes. Okay. yes. But so I think, I was trying to figure this out. I think for a while I thought I had seen a lot of Josh Hartnett movies, but I had seen Josh Hartnett lookalike movies. Yeah, he's elusive like that. Yes. No, yeah. Mary, well, you, you were telling me about this. Yeah, so there are two actors who I think Josh Hartnett became big and then probably these guys became big kind of on his coattails because they looked a lot like him and kind of fit into that same type. But Shane West. Shane West. 
okay. was one of them. Was he the one in A Walk to Remember? He's in A Walk to Remember. Yeah, so I definitely oh. went to see A Walk to Remember for a fifth or sixth grade birthday party. And I will say, it's funny that you mentioned that movie because we were talking about it. Well, no, That's what Here on Earth should be. Well, That's what it is trying to It should yeah. be. But also, we talked about how Josh could have potentially had a career similar to Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And mm. Ryan Gosling had The Notebook. And The Notebook is basically... A Walk to Remember is... The Christian version of that. It's very Christian. sure. <laughs> very. It might have even come out before the yeah. Notebook. It did, but Josh needed one of those. I forget. Um, does that does that have a, a dementia component? The remember part. <laughs> no, no, no. It, so has, a walk has, to remember. It's they Mandy can't remember Moore the walk. and it's Shane West, and she's like the ugly like loser girl. Mandy, Mandy Moore. Moore is the ugly loser yeah, girl. I love of that. Of course, and, or and she's she, just missing she, him like candy. Actually, she's more like <laughs> she's more like the weird Christian girl where she's really good and she her dad's a pastor and she right. goes to church. And that everyone, was a 2002 film. By everyone the way. thinks she's a loser, and then Shane West is like the cool, like reckless, like. Cool yeah. guy, popular guy, but cool. Christian. But no, he's not Christian. And like, then I can't remember. But how. like, like you look, Scott Stapp, okay, cool look at Christian. the poster to this. <laughs> they're just snubbing. that looks like that looks like they're going for the Josh Hartnett yeah, look. There, looks like Ashton Kutcher a little bit. Yeah, but but you can't see his eyes. They're snuggling. Can't see his eyes. Anyway, That's a cozy ass post. Could have so been they, Josh. They start falling in love somehow. Uh-huh. They come together and like you know cool guy with the loser girl right. and then three quarters of the way through the movie you find out she has cancer yeah she, oh, she's less than a year left Classic. to live but does she have leg cancer yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry aggressive ass leg cancer i just mentioned that about a week ago mary and her two best friends <laughs> yeah. got together on the weekend <laughs> and watched here on earth you got Whoa. you did you really went through we did. that yeah so my friend shannon who i think is perhaps the biggest fan of this show. Yes. <laughs> so I, I also work with Shannon and she comes into work every day because she has a long walk to work and yeah. she pretty much listens to the podcast every day and then <laughs> arrives. Or I guess not every week. So every <laughs> week. We, why? She, she just, concerning she just like, goes she's back through all the episodes yeah. every day. No, she's not that fanatic. By the way, she shout comes, out to Shannon. Yeah. You're great. Hey, Shannon. Yeah, thanks. But she comes in and then she's like, did, did you listen to the podcast? <laughs> oh my God, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> and she loves bad movies so she was really excited about Here on Earth. Here on Earth might be the best contender for that so far and well she did too. watch blow dry didn't yeah. she she's she's watched uh, pretty much all of them guys <gasps> uh wait what damn she, oh yeah she watched worker park she shed a single tear <laughs> at what scene the, the scientist. Final, the scientist yeah, yeah. And she really right. related to matt where she was like god damn it you like wrung mm-hmm. this tear out of my eye that's right yeah, yeah. very yeah i don't like it but no. we're a little bit like robots yeah mm-hmm. that's right Exactly. Um, like wet robot. Oh, but, yeah. but then anyway, you guys so watched, we watched us. Here on Earth. We watched Here on Earth. Uh, we yelled a lot at the TV. Definitely. You also sent me a video of the three of you putting the movie on. <laughs> really and then you, you texted me updates throughout <laughs> yeah. it. It was so enjoyable <laughs> and so satisfying because you... you, you just the, the idea of so, someone that I'm close to, you... Mm-hmm. Just finally understanding what a monster Chris Klein is. Something that I've been living <laughs> with now for months. About the birches. And then he just gets to say it at her funeral and he's so happy with himself. Yeah, that was like literally the the culmination of just what he wanted. <sighs> yeah, like he wasn't fucking cows and eating feet before that. Psychopath. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, so you watched. I'm so, so glad you watched so Your Earth. Earth. Um, eating feet. Better than <laughs> some Lifetime movies. A lot worse than a lot of Lifetime movies. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Um, but Wicker Park was your first so Josh Wick, movie. Yeah, so Wicker Park, I... When did Wicker Park come out? 2004. 2004. So I must have been about 14 or 15 at a sleepover. Mm-hmm. And we were like, ooh, let's let's rent this thriller. <laughs> we thought it was a... We thought it well, was like to be a fair, sexy it's easy to confuse it for With that. sexy yeah. Josh Hartnett. And we were like, ooh, And Josh Mary, Hartnett. I think 
your heart history is a little bit similar to mine because mm. we would just watch TV together oh, yeah. in middle school. And then the 40 Days and 40 Nights trailer. We, no, we would just see ads for 40 Days and 40 yes. Nights and Hollywood Homicide yeah. and all these movies with Josh Hartnett. We're going to just jump into the theme song. Person. <laughs> Hollywood, huh? Please don't sing it because it's hard to get out of yeah. my head, too. Oh, it gets stuck in our heads weekly. But yeah, so I'd seen all of these trailers. 40 Days and 40 Nights, you know, really made an impact because I was like, whoa, sex. I know. Um, but then we watched Wicker Park, and I, yeah, I think we were like, ooh, you know, scary thriller. Yeah. Something's going to happen. And then it ended, and we all just stared at each other and we're like, no one died? Yeah. yeah. Where was the mur- where is the murder? That was, just was sensual was though, and slightly murdered. dangerous. I, I still yeah. stand by that. That it, it could have potentially justified its absurdly convoluted plot. It needed a murder. If it actually, yeah. If it, it like if yeah. Roseburn had just, oh man, what if killed she killed, like, killed Diane Kruger? Yeah. Or what? Oh my. That yeah. would have been great. That yeah. If she sense. was just just actually was crazy. Yeah. What she literally says in the trailer, love makes you do crazy things, insane yeah. things. But do, the thing she does. They're like weird and creepy, but not like full on crazy. Right. Yeah, she's just kind of being a player a little bit. Mm. Yeah, she's just kind of being obsessive. No, but she's she, dating Matthew Lillard and yeah, then lies got, and hooks up with Josh. Yeah, mm. she's like and like lying to her friend and like trying to juggle two relationships. It would be like standard like dude com like like sex comedy fair if she wasn't. If she was you're right. so right. serious. With a total total shift. There's a comedy. In yeah, the movie yeah. <laughs> you're right. That's true. But so, Mary, so you saw Wicker Park. I saw Wicker Park. What'd you think? And, uh, yeah, generally just bewildered by the <laughs> entire movie. Liked, mm-hmm. I mean, Josh was still cute. Josh was still a cutie. Well, that doesn't change. Um, never and will. And then I saw Sin City. Oh, yeah, I think we saw that together. We saw in, that together in, in theaters. theaters. Uh, that is, uh, that was the previous episode. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I guess... But what you're saying is that you've seen... There were not seen, that many. Yeah. You're saying you saw other movies that you just thought were Josh. <laughs> yeah. I was aware like of him remember. in, like, the cultural sphere right. as the cute guy mm-hmm. that girls were into and thought he was cute. And I think he, like, popped up in magazines that I was, like, yeah. 17. Right. What, what it reminds me of is, have you guys ever seen the Clickhole article where the headline is... I am the new person you have to know about now by <laughs> Megan Trainer. <laughs> but I, I just think in that way of like a person just arrives in in the, like the pop culture right. sphere and it's like, right. oh, even if you don't consume the media that they appear in, you would just have to be aware yeah. of them and you can't help it. Yeah, right. exactly. Like I was thinking back and I thought I had seen more of his movies because I was so aware of him, but I haven't seen that many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I realized Sin City was the first one I saw. Yeah. And that was in theaters oh, in 2005. And then, and then The Virgin Suicides. I right. loved The Virgin Suicides in high school. It's, yeah. Could this like be most That's a great movie and I feel like we yeah. all probably his best performance. And yeah. the movie itself though, you know, Josh Hartnett's great in it, but the movie itself too is like better on second viewing. Mm-hmm. I think we all liked it more than our, we had remembered we're, we liked it. We're still it, not you know? entirely sure what to make of aspects yeah. of it, but we like it. Right. Yeah. I think it falls short a little bit. Um in terms of storytelling and like wrapping everything up, but it's it's a beautiful. Movie. I mean, you've heard our Virgin Suicides episode. We don't need to to yeah, rehash exactly. all anyway. all that. I have know. a question: Would that would we be experiencing something either like the Mandela effect or the Mandela effect, which is where you kind of you have deluded yourself into believing you've seen or experienced something that never existed, like the whole you know uh, Shazam Kazam oh, debacle yeah. that was on the internet for a while. Oh, the Yanni or whatever. 
What? No, no, no. Don't, don't talk about Yanni and Laurel are you talking about the fucking dress. No, no, no. No, no, no. That was a movie called Kazam. But a lot of people think that Sinbad played a genie in a movie called Shazam. That never happened. Including me. And then so we're like. called the Mandela effect? I don't know why. Because Nelson Mandela just had a side career yeah, that's real, what I was as a behavioral <laughs> scientist. Is it based involved. on Nelson Mandela? Is that the Mandela that it's? Named I didn't after? look into it because I always I like don't want to delve into like <laughs> yeah. whatever. I don't want to yeah. delve into a Laurel and Yanny thing because it's <laughs> not worth it. At it's the end really of the day. annoying. But like, I mean, I mean, like that's how I, what I feel like has happened where mm-hmm. someone is sprinkled with into your like just sort of media awareness for years, and then also Josh just ghosts right like he drops off the the filmmaking you know landscape or is anything major right when you would be a lot more cognizant Mm -hmm. right and actually it's good that you bring that up because i think so as our listeners probably know after 2007 josh just has like a hard out on making studio films Mm -hmm. he goes from being a movie star who is in a lot of mainstream movies and then just stops being in mainstream movies. People say like, oh, did he just go away? No. Josh has made movies for the past decade, but you just probably haven't seen any of them because they're small little indie movies outside of when you did three seasons of Penny Dreadful. But I think Mozart and the Whale is a precursor uh, precursor to that Mm -hmm. because that is the kind of project that he has pursued for the past decade. This is a small little indie movie that has an opportunity for him to actually play a character that's a bit more of an an acting challenge and a bit more of a character right. than a lot of his mainstream movies. I mean, then like Hollywood homicide and, and it, when you listen to interviews or like watching read interviews uh, with him talking about Mozart and the whale, this was a passion project for several years. He's proud of this thing. It was a passion project. And yes. And so, and I want to talk about the behind the scenes stuff of this movie because it's very fascinating and like significantly affects the finished film that we oh, all saw. Hi. But Jake, you want to tell us what this movie actually is? Sure. So let me read just like the little, you know, the Wikipedia synopsis real quick, but then I'll flesh it out a tiny bit with just a general sense of what the rest of the story is like. Jake, synopsis recaps. goes, yes. The film tells the I'm story of two people with Asperger syndrome. And in parentheses, it says here, a form of autism. And we should, side note. Yes. Asperger is no longer a term that's generally used to describe people stricken with this. Stricken from it's the DSM. Si- yes, yeah. stricken from the DSM, and people now generally just say if somebody has autism that they are on the spectrum, and that Asperger's was just another way of saying um, sort of like a less yeah. severe, yeah. like high high higher functioning, functioning yeah. version of autism. So they just they took it out of the uh, and, the lexicon. And just to mention this right here, we are not experts on any of this. We are. Trying yeah. our our best to use the correct uh, correct terminology mm-hmm. and and discuss this this subject matter as sensitively as we can. Apologies if we slip up and use something that 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 is an outdated term. Right, uh, we're we're uh, let us know if I like where we are wrong, but yeah. we're trying to get this as correct as we can. Yeah, and keep in mind the characters in the movie itself might, we, we will probably paraphrase some things that the characters say themselves, and since this movie was shot when yeah. Asperger's still okay yeah. to use, if we're paraphrasing, we might just say something close to what the actual dialogue in the movie is, which, you know, is pre The views terminology of the film changing, do not reflect so, our own. Do you yeah, exactly. <laughs> the views of the film do not reflect they, the They say Asperger's in the movie exactly. multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, continuing with the, the uh, synopsis, um, Donald, a.k.a. Josh Hartnett in the film, Donald Morton, 
runs a small self-help group for people on the autism spectrum who are affected by their who are more affected by their autism than he is. Um, Mozart and the Whale is a fictional account using characters that are loosely based on the real-life relationship of Jerry Newport and Mary Meinl. Now Mary Newport, because these two real-life people got married. Yay! Um, so that's the basic synopsis. But then just to flesh it out a little bit more, um, Donald basically you know, is a taxi cab driver in, where is this set again? Spokane, Spokane, Spokane Washington, Washington, I believe. Um, and sort of the movie starts off with him accidentally crashing his taxi cab into the back of a florist's car because he's distra- distracted trying to talk about like the license plate numbers on the backs of cars. Now, another side note, <laughs> Donald is uh, very, very focused on numbers. That's like probably his biggest character trait throughout the movie, right? Yeah. Um, this is which, the, he's just extracting the Rain Man thing. It, you can it's tell a, that it's a savant t- situation. Yeah, yeah. And, and since it's from Ronald Bass who wrote Rain Man, yeah, he's basically dipping from the same well or whatever interest he had in the subject. <laughs> um, then Josh essentially just gets out of the cab and goes to his autism support group. Should have been more fallout from that whole okay. event. Yeah, that was one, up and one of my notes. He crashes his cab, yeah. which is... Yeah. The car with which he he makes a living, yeah, and that's never followed up on. No, right. well, I mean, he's yeah. A so medallion I assumed taxi. for the rest of the movie, I was like, oh, so he probably just lost that job. Yeah, because, he does. Yeah, because the cab company would definitely not be okay with that. Well, note that he never gets back in a cab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then starts working a different job later, halfway through the movie. Right. right, but they do talk about how he's he can like oh when when they move later on in the movie they're they're right. like oh you can drive a cab right. there. Then yeah, she's referencing a jo- anyway. There's well, it's crazy. few inconsistencies with the work. But this yes. is also a thing where, and I will get into this, um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the original script that is explained and it got cut out in the movie that we saw. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so maybe so, let's go back to Jane. Yeah, yeah, let me finish up the synopsis. I can do it pretty quickly. Um, so basically <laughs> at the support group, they decide to meet with another uh, support group outside and through that, no. like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 it's one support group, but they just split into Male. men and women. Men and women. He says that he wants everyone to open up about their stories. Mary, their talk closer stories. to the mic. Oh, yeah. he says that every, he wants everyone to open up about their personal stories that day, and he thought people might feel more comfortable if they split into like men and women for that gotcha. day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you already and got it wrong, and yeah, maybe I should. already <laughs> fucked up. And and okay. and uh, also, let me know if I'm not pronouncing her name right. Rada Mitchell. I think it's Rada just Mitchell. 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 Rada Mitchell. Yeah. Why did I add Mitchell? Michelle. I made it very fancy suddenly. Rada <laughs> Mitchell is one of those interesting people, or interesting actors where she's in a bunch of stuff over a span of about five years and then kind of stops, be- right. stops being a notable things. I mean, I think she's she has a supporting role in the 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 two Olympus has fallen movies. Very okay. cool. But the, but <laughs> but but she has this run uh, in the early two thousands where it, it seemed like she might be one of the new big actors. Uh, it, like if you look at at the stuff that she's in, she's like got that Margot Robbie thing going on. Sort of. Well, the, 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 the thing, thing is, Margot Robbie. She's Australian. Australian. Yeah. She is. She does. But a Margot Robbie beautiful show- blonde repre- suppressing a thick Australian accent through this whole <laughs> okay. movie. Right. Except Margot Robbie showed up in an like immediately incredible performance in a yeah. great movie, and that like launched her. Roddy Mitchell didn't have uh, her Wolf of yeah. Wall Street, but so 
She shows up, shows up in the early 2000s. Yes, like she's in Phone Booth. She's in uh, she's in Dakota Fanning's Booth. Mom and Man on Fire. She's in Finding oh. Neverland. She's in uh, Melinda Melinda, the the Woody Allen movie. She's in this. She's the lead in the Silent Hill movie. Oh, I remember that. Uh, oh, that movie rocks. Uh, <laughs> fights Pyramid Head. <laughs> she fights Pyramid Head. <laughs> but she's not in the Silent Hill sequel. And yeah. then she well, kind she kind of <laughs> drops off. And and she's right. still in. Well, things. you fight Pyramid Head and. Not want to retire and not be tired. Yeah, and not be yeah. tired. But this was during that run where where she, so where she pops up in a in, in a bunch of movies that were like most a lot of them were from like big name directors, but she didn't like didn't quite have the role that like launched her to like the next level. Right. 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 So last sentence, just to finish the synopsis: Rada Mitchell is the new attendee to the support group and shares her personal story, and basically from there that meeting between her personal Donald, story, which is very dark it's we very should, very I dark mean, we'll talk about that later that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um but they share their stories and then have a little bit of a connection and the rest of the movie is about the you know on again off again sort of difficult relationship between the two characters yeah it's yeah, that's it's it. their, that's their dynamic it's their dynamic navigating their like you know what is it uh neuroatypical mm-hmm. sort yeah. of manner of relating to one another and how like you know that is a source yeah. of difficulty but it's like therefore that much more right. touching when they you know can can relate to one another yeah it's two people on the spectrum but with different um symptoms or like the way yeah, that yeah. it's expressed in each of them is mm-hmm. unique so that like the way that they butt heads and then sometimes do actually connect is like happens very sporadically or it flip-flops back and forth between the two they butt heads she's, right. and she's, reconcile a lot back you know throughout the entire film she's like the she's like the autism spectrum version of a manic pixie dream girl she i was gonna say she is she, she really I mean, she does things that her outfits it, even too i know like it's everything it's yeah. funny because she does a lot of things that if you made just removed the references to to autism <laughs> right. from her character. Yeah. She would so easily just become a, a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Right. But these like like the the quirky stuff, uh, most of it is ac- actually are symptoms. Yeah. But I I did struggle with that because the whole time I was watching, I was just wondering. I was like, is is this accurate or is this just this writer's or this director's idea of what a woman with autism is like? Right. Well, and she is as... so much more high functioning than like every right. other woman there. And they do reference that at one point. Do you remember? There's that weird line where what's the like best friend? What's the actor who plays the best friend? John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. Right. Yeah. John Carroll Lynch says to Josh and he's like, he says like, well, Josh, stay with us because compared to the group, you're a god. But compared to her, you're nothing. And he's talking mm-hmm. about the level of functionality. Yeah, but I right. think wasn't. Am I wrong in saying like using the outdated terminology of this when this film was released that she was the one with Asperger's? Matt, don't hit the table. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, that group had autism. Well, th- that was also a huge question that I had. And yeah. they had varying levels very, of severity. It's very undefined. So yeah. Josh also talks about having Asperger's. Definitely the two of them have Asperger's. But then it's really unclear, especially in the beginning of the film, is it a specific support group for people with Asperger's? Is it a support group for people with um, autism at you know varying levels on the spectrum? Or is it generally like intellectual disabilities, like cognitive disorders? Well, because they really yeah, they like drop autism. you in yeah. so quickly. Yeah. Because right. all of a sudden, he arrives at the support group. And this is an unusual thing about this movie. Because generally, when there there is a movie dealing with uh, 
characters on the autism spectrum, it's a situation like Rain Man, where there's like one character, and then there are people who are not autistic surrounding them that are sort of like the audience's gateway toward, uh, you know, to understanding autism. Right. And this is a movie where literally every character with the exception of Gary Cole who shows yeah. up in two scenes <laughs> is on the autism spectrum. Yeah. And so, and there maybe, are... Maybe, or maybe something else. We don't. Exactly. But so, after that first scene where Josh crashes the taxi, he arrives at the support group and all of a sudden it's just, whoa, every single character is on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Every single person has different symptoms. And so this is a lot to take in mm-hmm. right away. And also, you know, again, and one of just the inherent issues with a movie like this is these are actors portraying people right. with autism. And so, and Through I guess the I, interpretation of a writer, a and writer a director. and a director. <laughs> right. And, and it was 2005. And, and so you have, yeah. you, you have all these different actors portraying all these different symptoms all at the same time. And it's like, I, I can, I am not the person to ask about how accurate any of this is, right. but it is a lot to take in and try to figure out what every person's specific symptoms are and try to figure out like what the degree of each person's uh, autism is. It's, it's a lot to, to grasp at the same time while also trying to figure out who the characters are yeah. and, and like the beginning yeah. part of the story. It really kind of drops you in there. It what, does. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just going to say one thing that I was thinking about while watching the movie is... First of all, I thought it was really strange that Josh was the one who started the support group and is leading the support group, and it seems to be held in, you know, some sort of, like, community center or facility or something, but there's no other staff around or anything. Nope. And I thought it would be really helpful if there was some sort of counselor character who wasn't on the spectrum who was leading the group and could provide maybe a little bit of exposition, explanation, also, Josh seemed to step in and say very, like, socially and emotionally self-aware things to the group yeah. at times, which to me, and once again, I am not an expert on this, but it to me didn't ring true for someone on the spectrum because definitely dealing with social cues is a difficulty, and that's part of the disorder, and it's a learned behavior, right? So, like, you hear people on the autism spectrum talk about how they have to learn to recognize different right. facial and you know like emotions on people's faces and things like that so it makes sense maybe if there was a counselor there like teaching them that right at, like at the same that. time this is generally it's inspired by this true story which is about this guy right. who did put this together right. so i get why that but no i i have the exact same reaction where i get why they made that choice but i also would have liked their it, it, this was a weird situation where i was like I would kind of like some exposition. Yeah. I'd kind of like someone to just kind of state, yeah. uh, or just like, or, or honestly, if there was like a counselor who just introduced Rod Mitchell to the group, yeah, which seems right. like a really basic, obvious screenwriting choice, right. but it's one of the situations where I'm like, even if it is and like a like not especially creative, I would it would just be helpful for just introducing the audience yeah. to this. You, it, it is weird that, I mean, maybe, yeah, it is in media res, like, or even further, because there had to have been a point where Josh's character had to deal with, like, establishing the group and getting a green light from, like, the bureaucracy yeah. or whatever that public, you know, space right. spaces. And, yeah. Yeah. Out, <laughs> and since he's the most high-functioning, we don't know if the other people there have jobs or, like, what they're... Well, Josh doesn't yeah. like really a job. I mean, he, he loses his job he lost right at the beginning of the film by crashing right. the cab. Yeah. And, and that the was another question I had. Like, is him. there like a social or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
but like assistance programs, you know, like there should be, but we don't see them. And then there was a question I had through the whole movie is like, do they have money for this? Where are they getting money from? No one seems to have a job. Logistical questions about yeah, yeah, the actual living arrangements and the working arrangements. But then also, Roddy Mitchell's character, who's a hairdresser, seems to have a pretty steady job. Yes. Yeah, and in fact, all of her coworkers and employees seem to take in stride. You know, Roddy Mitchell's personality within the hair. But so the symptoms of of her. So her Asperger syndromes seem to, uh, or sorry, symptoms, not syndromes. Uh, but so her symptoms seem to mostly yeah. be, she has like no filter, so she's just always right. says what's on her mind. Yep. And then she freaks out her words uh, if she hears clanging metal. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Well, which is a real symptom. That, Loud noises. Yeah, definitely of, is of a different real sort. symptom. I, I believe. I'm just to make it clear, those are her symptoms, right? That's yeah. basically it. Well, they give her also just to add one extra thing. They give her the tick of just um, she has her loud, sharp, abrupt laugh, which yeah. is a recurring character ha. she's in the movie. Yeah, but again, ha. that's something that could just be a charming Sorry. affect for someone not on the spectrum who's just right. a manic pixie dream girl. She, sure. uh, yeah, you could just if you just changed everyone's references to how she is in the movie. Like, don't even change her dress or mm-hmm. her, how she's acting or speaking at all. She could just be a manic petite. Like, just being herself, she's just feckless yeah. and being Honestly, herself. like, you know, just Natalie Portman from Garden State could have slid there in there so comfortably and no one would think anything yeah. of just, it. She just is that role halfway through the movie yeah. and none of us realize. <laughs> she's always putting headphones on people. Yeah. They just do the Houdini switch on us. <laughs> They're like, whoa, the Kansas City shuffle on us. Uh, Preview of uh, next uh, week's upcoming episode. episode. I, well, I have an idea. I have a thought about, I had a thought about the, the group. I think... At the time, I don't know. First of all, Pat, I don't know if you have any background information about like any sort of research that went into this movie. I know it was a passion project of Josh's to get into. I don't know if he had input. I can't tell you about that. I, I can't tell you about the the accuracy or research part of actually writing the script. Yeah, I can tell you about uh, the genesis of this project, mm. and uh, and, I, and I do want to get into that. It, yeah. in a sec because okay. it's really it's interesting I think yeah, it's I know very what you're talking about. I also like I found this audio like eight minute long audio interview with Josh talking about this movie like Ooh. after it came out that and he speaks fairly openly about what happened with it yeah, yeah. and it, it's interesting stuff well what did you want to say Matt uh, I just thought like I, I think at you know it was early aughts version of like wokeness maybe to be like we understand that autism is not Strictly speaking, one thing it, right. it manifests in all these ways. So we're going to have like essentially this giant group of people, right. like show that, like show our like the, the awareness of of the the you know of like how it can manifest in different people yeah. and that its levels of severity. So it works. I think it works a double function of like showing, you know, I guess a, a non-aware viewing audience mm-hmm. the, the the varying things that can happen with it and then also they're a foil to Josh to make him look even though he's already Josh Hartnett both of these characters are improbably attractive yeah. which is another cue for you to be I, like I, I want do them think they, like although the director's on record talking about that by the way the, right like that people had talked told him that you know these are very very beautiful uh, actors that you've cast in order to play two <laughs> people with autism and the director's like Look, you're born with it or you're not. And yeah, uh, he was like, hot. I understood that Josh Hartnett was a beautiful man, but he was like, it's like that's got nothing to do with whether or not you're right. dealt that hand. I mean, autism has nothing a, to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he was just like, why not make up? Yeah. He's like, it's Josh Hartnett. Okay. Yeah, fine. it's a good dodge, but it's <laughs> yeah. still true. No, that he I know. Is. Yeah. But also, like, but the group, I do want to. Super handsome. I think, <laughs> yeah. Patrick, I want you to talk about the background, but then maybe we can talk about the group later because there's that 
other woman in the group who has red hair and yeah. is beautiful. She's yeah. a beautiful woman. And she... Oh, sorry. There's two red-haired women. I thought you were talking about a smiley one. Oh, the other one. Oh, that's right. There's this smiley, funny woman who's great. I love her. <laughs> By the way, that um, actress's name is Rusty Schwimmer. And she's, <gasps> I've seen her in other stuff, too. I love that. David yeah. Schwimmer's aunt. Or <laughs> I, I hope so. You know what? <laughs> Me, too. I'm going to Google it, but But you know talking. the really... The quiet girl, and yep. she seems to have, like... A lot of problems. A lot going on. More severe symptoms. And then there's... A big reveal with her character later on. But anyway, I just think she... I don't know. Oh, that's true, though. You're right. Like, it complicates not, the thing. Not everyone in the group would be less attractive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I will say, I feel like they didn't, like, a solid enough job, like, making Josh look plainer than normal. He's got a, you know, the terrible haircut. Yeah, well, finally, his self-administered haircut makes sense. Time. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, Patrick. Okay, so do you guys want to know about the development of this project? Yeah, we yeah, don't so have a choice. It, it, <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Happen. So, okay, so you know how in 1998, uh, the studio DreamWorks began? Yeah, of course. So especially yes. Spielberg had the greatest year that any filmmaker has ever had, 93, where he makes Jurassic Park and then Schindler's List and wins all the Oscars and makes all the money. And then it's like, I'm going to start a new, the first new Hollywood studio in decades. And they start DreamWorks. Mm. And so DreamWorks kicks off. And uh, with just a few random movies, there's like Amistad, there's Saving Private Ryan. And apparently like while Spielberg is like running the studio while also making movies, and he has a lot of movies in development at all times. And some of them he decides to direct and some he has other people direct. And one of the movies in development at DreamWorks was Mozart and the Whale. That Spielberg was planning to direct, Mm. probably starring Robin Williams and Taya Leone. Oh. Can you imagine that movie? Because that would have been a big deal. That Guys. makes a lot more sense. But if you want to see, check out House of D. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Also, hilarious porn title name that you don't even yes. have to change. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, that's a movie with Robin Williams. That's a movie where Robin Williams uh, p- plays a, a, a more severely mentally handicapped person. Oh, yeah. And it's a film directed by... David Duchovny. It's a radio. That's directed and by House David of Duchovny? D just sounds like House of David or House of Duchovny and Robin Williams is in a sort of radio type situation. Yeah. Yes. Oh so God. Good job, so this movie, Mozart and the Whale, yeah. it was like, can you imagine that? And this would have been around the same time. Maybe this would have been coming off of like Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was the, the two movies Spielberg made in 2002. And actually, I'm wondering, did he decide to make The Terminal instead? Which is just you know, yeah, the, the, such a solidly Tom Hanks is film. stuck mediocre in an film. airport just terminal so when he mediocre. wants to be in Krakosia, his home country. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a is that also ba- loosely based Krakosia. on a true story? Yeah, yes, it is. No, yes, it about is. a guy who's stuck in Charles de Gaulle Airport for like a like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe a decade. I believe when the movie came out, he was still stuck in the airport. That sucks. <laughs> Let me out. <laughs> we made a movie. We made a lot of money. Can it get me out? No, nope. no. <laughs> But thank you. Because we call it Krakosia. <laughs> can, I, can I please just come out to watch the movie? No. No. <laughs> Gotta stay. Stay there. You can get on a plane and then come back and b- watch it when it's in-flight entertainment. Enjoy your 5,000th TGI Fridays meal. <laughs> but so, so what happened was, so it, it's wild because obviously yeah. like this would have been like an Oscar push for Robin Williams. Right. And... Spielberg couldn't fit in time to direct it. Yeah. And then DreamWorks dropped the movie mm. and then Josh got attached to it. And it was through Josh getting attached. Emotionally. That, 
Exactly. <laughs> it's funny. We've been reading interviews with Josh around the, early, the like the mid two thousands, and he talks about this a lot and how excited he is to make it, yeah. and how much he cares about it. And Josh pushed for about a year. Once he uh, he, he attached to it, and uh, to to try to get this thing made because he was a name at the time, and his name did help get funding for it. Yeah. And. And, and so originally it seemed like it was going to get set up at like somewhere like focus features, but then they, they passed on it and it ended up landing at millennium films, which is smaller. And originally it was supposed to have like a $15 million budget and it ended up only having a $7 million budget. Hmm. Yeah. Why does Wikipedia lie, Patrick, and say 12? I, I don't know. Crazy. It's a, well, be, That's well, crazy. Well, because no one has <laughs> seen this movie. Because no one has yeah. seen this movie, and yeah. the only way to find this stuff is literally to search through to like the tenth page of results for the search Josh Hartnett, Mozart and the Whale, and to find an audio interview embedded into another article wow. with Josh. Damn! So you did your detective. I work. did my detective work. Okay. Patrick Williams, Josh Detective. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they're making this movie, even though they didn't even really have enough money to make it the way it was supposed to be made. Right. Josh, you know, like, uh, passed up his normal salary of, uh, at the time. And then they shoot the movie, but then there were these producers that got involved through the studio. Ugh, suits. And Put a robot the- spider in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still funny. But so they, in post-production, took it away from the director and pretty much edited it into more of a comedy that it was intended to be, and Those they tried. They tried to change the title. Have you heard about this? No. No. What did they call? Oh, oh wait, boy, I, I did. Wait. I they did. tried to change the title. Hold on. To Crazy in Love. Oh, <laughs> so you wrong. motherfucking producers! <laughs> da, 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 Get da, da, it? Da, da, da. Oh, sorry, um, that song hadn't come out yet. Um, <laughs> oh wait, are we did? I don't know. Crazy um, in love. It had. It had come out. Uh oh. Jesus. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. So Are you sensitive. Anyway, Josh. Also, oh no! Crazy love. What's the movie? Stupid crazy love. Crazy stupid love. Crazy oh, well, stupid okay. dumb stupid doo-doo 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 dumb love. <laughs> and <laughs> face doo doo. Exactly. <laughs> that movie has one of the better PG thirteen films. Diaper love. Huh? And uh, I'm gonna do a movie like this, but it's just about two people who have a diaper fetish. <laughs> it's called Love Doing Doo Doo's in a Diaper. <laughs> diaper. It's called Stupid Doo Doo Dumb Love. <laughs> diapers. Get that on my desk by tomorrow morning. Colon with Colon diapers. Diapers. Colon with extra diapers. <laughs> Hang on to your diapers, ladies. <laughs> oh, Okay, so I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> no, come on. I'm, not, I'm, I'm kidding. I just Please. wanted to say that. I just wanted to say that so you get sad. <laughs> I, don't, I know how proud you are of your diaper joke. <laughs> Throw those die die references in. That's yeah, <laughs> but so so okay. So Josh managed to fight the producers and get and physically. Be like, no, <laughs> that, that title is bad and offensive. Yeah. And yeah. So, but they still took it away from the director in post production, and I think you can really see that when it comes to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so bad. Because the soundtrack seems like it's just for, you know, a fun indie comedy in the early 2000s where you've got a bunch of songs that it's just, there are so many kind of upbeat indie rock songs. But abrasive indie rock Yeah, and so many montages. And also the score is very much just kind of quirky comedy. Yeah. And there are so many scenes where I'm, I'm watching, like, okay, I know we, we have barely gone through the story, but there's a scene after uh, Josh and Roda Mitchell have started dating, mm-hmm. 
And where she, because he's kind of a hoarder and, you know, his apartment is a mess, right. she, she just has to go over to his apartment one day and clean it all while he's at work. Right. And he comes home and he freaks out yep. because everything has been moved and, it's, and it, he doesn't like it. And, like, she got rid of his shower curtain and mm-hmm. he doesn't really, like, change. And he is having this intense emotional reaction to what's going on. Right. And there's just this quirky music playing <laughs> yeah. the yeah. whole time. And I'm just like, wh- wh- who thought this was a good idea? And right. I, there are a lot of scenes... Where, because in general, I'm not, it's not even entirely sure how I, I, I don't think this movie works in, in general, no. but it's, it's really hard for me to even try to appraise it properly because I can see how it was altered in, in editing so much from what it, and the tone was steered, not that it's supposed to be like a really bleak drama, but it was supposed to be, to be played more dramatic. No, and I but, think that the tone yeah. gets so damaged by the editing mm. and by the music that it's it's like it almost feels unfair for me to to cast judgment on this movie when like and in this interview Josh was talking about it and he was like you know like the guy interviewing him was like yeah I like the movie and Josh was like yeah well it it was supposed to be different I'm glad you liked it but it was supposed to be a lot better because yeah. this <laughs> this isn't entirely what we shot yeah, yeah. that's interesting cuz I just to be upfront really didn't like the movie Really didn't like it at all. But actually, I, actually, I, wait. I, I didn't like it for different reasons. Mary. Yeah. Before we go down that road. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to you about why you requested to be on this oh. episode. Because I had I had raised the idea of you of being on the podcast. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah, here's the list of what we've got yeah. coming up. What would you like to be on? And we were hanging out. You were over at, at yes. our apartment to, to watch a movie. And we started talking about this and... I think you you looked at the list and were like, "What's oh, the whale. By name?" Yeah. What's that? Well, no. We remember we pulled up the trailer, All right. and we we oh, wa- yeah. the three of us watched it for well, the first time, and you were like, "I want to do that one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did I make this choice? Um, I guess to call back on my Hartnett history, I wanted to do something that was like kind of a romantic comedy because mm-hmm. that's what I and you'd missed Forty Days and Forty Nights. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and even though I guess I hadn't seen him in a romantic comedy when I was you know, at that age, I, that's what I thought of him as. I thought of him as the romantic lead. And then we watched the trailer and then I was like, wow, this looks fascinating. And if nothing else, it looks weird. If nothing Mm. else, it looks weird. It's a choice. Um, (laughs) and I will say there is kind of like a little bit of a subgenre of like romantic comedies about people with, what do we say? Developmental disorders with, intellectual with, with some sort of handicap some sort of yeah like, yeah um and i some i sort of yeah, yeah like that. so oh, the uh, other sister with Juliet lewis <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah i've never yeah. seen it which i really like i think it's a it's a good romantic comedy uh forrest gump i think is a kind of different <laughs> would be a different thing just because there's you so much going gump on in that a romantic movie. comedy <laughs> but also benny and june right with johnny depp and forgetting the actress's name which was was that also late 90s uh, maybe or, early, or, late early, late 80s even. No, no, early 90s. It, it was 90s. But yeah. I, I know the type yeah. of thing that you're talking about. And there, I mean, many there aren't a lot also, of these. More recently, actually, which is more relevant to this. Um, this is a smaller indie movie, which I know because one of my friends worked on it. But Jane Wants a Boyfriend, which is was specifically, I think it was 2015, 2014. Yeah. Um, but it's specifically about a girl with Asperger's yeah. who... Wants a boyfriend. And her sister is played by, what's her name from Buffy? The vamp, uh, Buffy. Wait, wait who was playing Buffy? <laughs> I, I didn't see that watch show. Um, Allison Hannigan? Doll's House. 
Elijah Dushku. Elijah yeah. Dushku. Yes. There you go. But it's funny you mention that because Josh Hartnett's in an interview, you know, at the time Mozart and the Whale was coming out, did say that, you know, before they made this movie, there weren't many examples to work off right. of. But since yeah, then, since yeah, there's then, a lot of examples of that have come up, like Jane Wants yeah. a Boyfriend. But I think the two that he lists personally that he watched or that he just calls back in the interview mm -hmm. is Rain Man, obviously, because right. the screenwriter wrote this one. Yeah. But the other movie he picks was a really weird one, too, because I it's a it's not a movie about somebody on the autism spectrum so much as like a movie about a person with bipolar disorder, oh, which movie? is the French film Betty Blue. And he said that those huh. were his two, like, those are the two movies that he could reference where he's like, mental illness or, you know, like any sort of neurodevelopmental disorder doesn't ever get covered in film right. that That's much. interesting, though, because there's two widely different topics, oh, yeah. I would say. And Betty Blue and Rain Man have almost nothing to do with each other. <laughs> Betty yeah. Blue is one of the most histrionic films with like a sex scene every other scene. Oh. Throughout the movie. I will say, yeah. actually, one of the interesting things about Rain Man that I feel yeah. like we've got to talk about is that um, I think it might have been around 2009, Josh starred in... Uh, the stage production of Rain Man, Rain Man yeah. in the West End in London, playing the Tom Cruise role, there's not a, the Dustin Hoffman role. Yeah. There's a production? stage yeah, production. Yeah, two thousand eight. Mary, <laughs> there's a there's a, a stage there's a play or a musical based on every movie right. now. There's right. a SpongeBob musical. Did you know that? I did. Know that. <laughs> Thank you, Jane. <laughs> Who plays Squidward? And nobody dresses up in giant like SpongeBob. It's, it's just actors, I know. and I, mean, I don't like costumes. it. I mean, like the band's visit. That French movie is now like oh, that's based on a movie. Yes, there's oh, a Mean Girls musical know. just came out. There, there's, Wait. there's an. Every, <laughs> I do know about yeah. the right, but there's musicals an. There's an. There's a play or a musical <laughs> for everything. Yeah. So I feel Hamilton. like Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> that was once a book. Yeah, yeah. A historical figure. That was a guy who wrote um, on scrolls. <laughs> 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 but so. Yeah, so yeah, uh, Josh actually did act in Rain Man, but also, yeah. but interestingly, yeah. you know, played the cruise role. Wait, did you yeah. say that was after? After Which it was, it was like four years okay. after. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and but also, yeah, I will I say Josh doing that just to maybe you know make a comparison between those other movies that I referenced of like the other sister and Benny and June. Yeah. Um, a big difference is that they're not really trying to define any sort of disability in those movies. It's, oh, I'm touching the table, sorry. Ha. Touching. Ha. Sorry. <laughs> I'm also doing it, Matt. I'm not the only one. It sends vibrations did. through the microphones, oh, and no. so I always try to get people to not hit the table. Yeah, it's funny, because I have heard you hit the table in the podcast, and it mm. sounds so loud, but it's actually silent <laughs> here know, in the room. So. I know. Funny I how that it. works. This, is why, I'm, I'm, this is why I'm wearing the headphones, <laughs> so I can yeah. monitor these so things. Yeah, but so those other movies, there's really, they're the only two people with disabilities in the movie, you know, each of the love interests, and it's just kind of focusing on their relationship and how they're navigating it through the world, whereas I found Mozart in the Wild is just very focused on Asperger's and autism and what that means, yeah. and it, every scene, it's brought up, and it's really the focus of the movie. And the characters yeah. are self-referential about right. it. Right, exactly. Like, right. they constantly address the fact that they have autism. Yeah. Because it's so clearly, like, it's so clearly one of these it's trying to raise awareness like yeah. it's, it's, it 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 seems to me like that's the 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 big you know motivating good intention of the film mm -hmm. yeah like, and when i was watching this like this i just kept thinking thing. i would never want to make a movie like this right it seems like almost a 
I mean, as much as I, I can't say it's a no-win situation because Rain Man sure did win. <laughs> Every it, 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 won, it, won, it won the money. It made it rain, so to speak, <laughs> on, <laughs> on all of the mans in the movie. <laughs> Side note: This this You'll is get your man. This is bar- barely related, other than a word and Tom Cruise. But I know Matt knows this. But do you guys know what the tagline for the movie Cocktail was? No. Oh, Come and get rule. your drink on. <laughs> it's so much better. Oh. Uh, um. Cruising for a boozing. <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. good. That's, that's that, pretty that, good. that is good. Yeah. But believe it or not, it's even better than that. Snake down one of these brewskis. <laughs> Jake, you want to keep going? Yeah, let's uh, see. I think I can get it eventually. Can we do a three-hour podcast? Where Jake just starts to guess taglines and never gets it's it. It's called the tagline so game. Right the it's hours. a new segment everyone loves. We uh, actually, because I'm like a lunatic robot. If you gave me movies and had me guess the taglines, I might be able to guess them. Yeah, but that also is a podcast no one wants to. Mary, listen do to. you want to try one just see if you can... no? Oh, okay. oh, you're born on the fourth of July. Like you're born in July. <laughs> actually, th- that's the closest to, oh, to okay. the real one. Okay. Yeah. The, really? The, that's fucking awesome. The tagline to so cocktail. I think one of Cruz's weaker movies, but maybe his best tagline ever. Proud of you, buddy. When he pours, Thanks, he rains. No. Fuck yeah! So Isn't that good. amazing? So it's a Rain Man reference. Do you think? No, 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 no. R e i g n s. No, you dummy. But that's but good. but it came out this. No, that movie came out the same year as Rain Man. Uh, Hell yeah. And yeah, because I remember it, I, Tom Cruise was nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie Award in the same year. Wow. Isn't nice. that funny? Do you think that like shattered his soul? Like it just was too much to get two things at the same time? No, he was Did he no, get involved no, in Scientology like, that year? I'm, Though. No, okay. it, that, that was like a decade later. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, he was covered in demons or whatever the fuck <laughs> <laughs> at that point. But, but, okay, so, Filled with but, aliens. But, sorry, I, I went off on that tangent because I yeah. love the cocktail tagline so much. But. To me, you know, thinking like as a filmmaker, uh, I would never want to try, as much as like this subject matter doesn't interest me in terms of like telling that story, I would just be afraid of touching a movie like this because it seems like... I mean, it does seem like a no-win situation. Yeah, Yeah. and you are part of the problem. Right, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, but like, I would just be so anxious every day about like, are, are we doing this sensitively are we like you know this this person like this consultant said that we're handling this well but right. like i mean we haven't we haven't talked to every person on the autism spectrum in the world and so we haven't right. gotten like like this is gonna piss off some people and why am i telling the yeah. story and it just seems like the kind of thing that that i i i i get the motivation behind it especially from an actor standpoint of like hey i want to tell stories and embody mm-hmm. characters who are not like me and I think this is an interesting. I, th- I can see why these characters are interesting to them, but I just, for, to me, this is a project that I would never want to touch. Yeah, right? it's funny you mentioned that because it was actually one of the reasons why I felt kind of like a sympathy for the movie, despite the fact that I didn't think it totally succeeded. You're right. I think it's kind of like a no win situation in order to do this because when you make movies that are about, you know, um, developmental disabilities or even like you know, chronic illnesses and stuff. Not to lump those two things the same way, but I think they both share a trait in that they get judged in kind of the same way by mm-hmm. audiences in that you're almost like taken to task to make a movie, which by nature of it being one movie needs to have a specific plot with specific characters. Right. And yet the wider audience and usually people that suffer from whatever 
um, disability or ailment that you're trying to portray in the movie, take the movie to task as needing to be like this universally encompassing right, film. Right. Especially that when does there's only to, one, right? Yeah. Especially when it's like the first movie to tackle yeah. autism. But and so if Mozart and the Whale is one of the first ones to go there, it's almost like unfair to have to leverage right. that attack onto that movie. When I think like the way to answer those questions is to not like require that movies about things address like the full nuanced range of it and more more that something like you, there just needs to be more move more movies in the aggregate about that particular issue mm-hmm. no one movie can address those types of complaints or questions right. it needs to just be like you need movies that individually cover the full well, range when you look at all of them you also have like the added complexity of of yeah. autism again being on a spectrum yeah and therefore like within the the limited little viewpoint that you can give through a mm. you know two hour or less story where it's not like that's not my experience that's not my life exactly like, you also have a uh, you know you also have this you know condition that's like that manifests in so many subtle gradations yeah. so it's right. not like having a movie that has someone with down syndrome in it where like th- it sort of manifests in one way right. you know right. yeah. and it's like then the complexity comes from like well which character with down syndrome are you portraying like how are they what family do they come from that's like where it still gets kind of thankless but like yeah but asperger's literally or sorry i should say the spec like the autism spectrum is a spectrum (laughs) right it ranges from like the most highest functioning person down to like the most debilitating form of it yeah and so i mean it was one of the funny things when we were talking about this movie i think a lot of us, when we were watching it, had that first gut reaction. We're like, it seemed a little high-functioning for people with autism. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, it's kind of all up in the air when it comes to judging this stuff. And you almost can't, right? you know, yeah. at any objective like, level. Because um, you're literally like, it could mean anything. And the symptoms can change from person to person. And it's so particular right. to yeah. each individual because that has guys, it. Because, guys, have you seen the film The Accountant? <laughs> <laughs> or The Good Doctor? Let me guess, is it, it's subtle, though, right? <laughs> because, so I've seen The Accountant. Uh, which I think is a pretty fun movie. And what I learned from that movie is, if you have autism, you have superpowers. <laughs> and you can fight really, really well and do the best math and make a lot of money <laughs> and also yeah. fight all the people who try to kill you. And be good at guns and what not touch movie? your eggs with I've your sausage. Wait, Accountant? It, no. it was an action movie oh, with yeah. Ben Affleck that came out two years ago, like oh. a year and a half ago. It's actually pretty good. but but that is Really? That does not... Win me over. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it is, it is, it is, well, that is a movie I am not sad tattoo? to miss. You're not excited? You know, it's, it's like genuinely pretty fun. And, uh, and it has, uh, it has like a, a, a all-star cast. Uh, but, but actually, okay, I know this sounds crazy, but I do think this movie is relevant to bring up. Yeah. Because Mozart and the Whale is a movie that tried to be a really sensitive right. portrayal of, about autism Mm -hmm. and the movie is all about autism Mm -hmm. and and it's like literally every scene is people talking about autism and that almost every character is on the spectrum Mm -hmm. and and then and that's a movie from 2005 right and then there's the accountant which is a big (laughs) warner brothers film from 2016 so much more recent Mm -hmm. and that is a movie where the main character has autism and it basically just means that he has superpowers where he, he's just, he's just the accountant, but also is like an accountant for like mobsters and, and like drug cartels and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, and has the, what was also like, like trained by his, his weird dad for like, since he, he was a kid to, 
just like to be able to fight really well and use guns and and like you know take care of himself and that that is basically a trashy B movie yeah but using autism but it also doesn't make itself about autism right it's just and it, it's and I I almost wonder is what is better because this is a movie the thing is. Well, did it get any blowback by like critics well, no, no, for no, using autism? Like that, you're using autism okay. literally to make mm. him good at, at shooting people. Well, what the, the, the fuck? The, the thing is, in the, in the movie spoilers, he also he has a brother who doesn't yeah. have autism. And he's who, terrible. At, no, but who's, who, who's also <laughs> who can just do all the stuff that he that he does? I mean, the the math savant stuff is I I think I mean I'm kind of kidding when I say like oh it makes him awesome at fighting yeah because he just like trained the way anyone else would right, he isn't right. just like naturally awesome at fighting but that's a movie that doesn't go to the the lengths and the pains that mozart and the whale does to be a sensitive accurate authentic portrayal of autism and at the same time it almost because i remember when when uh when the hound came out and a lot of people were like oh that looks hashtag problematic and then the movie <laughs> itself came out and people were and it, it didn't bother people all that much it's like it's like yeah. it's not that makes sense to me because I would say what Mozart and the Whale suffers from is that like Asperger's is what these characters are, especially, I mean, for, we do find out more about Josh and Rada Mitchell. Like we find out, you know, their hobbies and what they're into and things, but like their main defining characteristic is that they have Asperger's. Whereas the accountant, like it's one small thing about him. Right. And he's also like, fighting apparently and doing all this and has stuff. it yet to save Anna Kendrick's life Just, a bunch yeah. awesome John yeah, Lithgow's I mean, there wait can I read a bit of a review so please I looked up a bunch of reviews by people from the autism community because that's what I was curious about I was yeah. like I can't tell if this is accurate yeah and there was actually there was a wide range people had positive reviews and negative reviews I think I read a lot of the same ones yeah there are not many uh, there's maybe like six so we probably read all the same ones but so let's see where is it? Okay. It's as if the creative team found a book on autism and Asperger's syndrome and interpreted it literally. Nearly all of the spectrum-dwelling characters in this film have all of the symptoms, and their <laughs> characters are completely ruled by them. Yep. And, I read that same review. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Donald has been written not so much as a rounded person with Asperger's syndrome, but as a bundle of art of autistic traits with not much of a real character tying them together. Yeah. So that was another one. Um, so my hot take ooh. is that if you want to make a movie that handles autism, make it like the accountant <laughs> and less like Mozart the and the Whale. the only way to do it. Well, my, can I give a big sweeping... Theory that I just thought of while you guys were talking. This is the time. Yeah. Well, okay, so Laid like out. in in the early aughts, right? Like th those diagnosed was at a, a, a fraction of what it is now. Right. Yeah. And there's an unresolved debate about whether or not that's just through the widening of of mm -hmm. you know diagnostic techniques and like recognizing certain things as such, but like it's unclear. Like mm -hmm. a massive gro growth in people diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. uh, currently that's sort of like also been again because it started in the early aughts with the rise of like internet culture and forums so it's another factor and people sort of like talking about it autism is also kind of memed as a joke a little bit now mm. sort of meanly but then you also have the good doctor and you have the accountant um and and monk and <laughs> No, Monk had OCD. Okay. Yeah, uh, sorry. I didn't watch the show. You... <laughs> I'm speaking off the cuff, guys. Sorry. 
hot off Jake's dome. No, uh, <laughs> the the Good Doctor is the right reference point. Okay, all I'm saying is that like. What it's, it's in the kind cultural of, zeitgeist. What it, yeah, yeah. If, if it's like there's so much more of it that now we're trying to sort of like assimilate it and normalize it a bit. Yeah. We're trying to make it less stigmatized. It starts with something like Mozart and the Whale, but what you get is I think also another thing that's probably cool and empowering to see on some level, but still a radical oversimplification, which is that autism and being on the spectrum equals you're always like <clears throat> you're incredibly good at focusing. You're just... Yeah, it's like taking artistically focused on something, and it makes you incredibly talented. You're also not like in the Good Doctor, which I haven't seen, but I've seen ads for of it. it. And he's like, you have the people on the board talking about like, but he has autism. Yeah, it's like he's <laughs> the you, best doctor we've ever seen because uh, you know, like, yeah. he doesn't uh, when he looks at a weeping woman, he doesn't register. Yeah, so <laughs> There's crazy. no emotion. So was House? Was he supposed to have autism? No, as well? he was just grumpy. He was no, just no, a dick. Th- no, no, yeah. no. They, they, they diagnosed him, I think, in the show with something. I can't remember. But he doesn't really? have autism. I, I mean, he goes to like a mental facility though. No, I mean, in one season, he got shot by a person. And he takes yeah. pain. I, I think that's just like a Sherlock Holmes thing. I really yeah. hate House. <laughs> I love House. Oh, okay. I love that show. I've never I, he's seen just it. a dick. He's just a dick to everybody. And everybody forgives him, and all the women fall in love with him. And he's just a dick the yeah. whole time, and he's never redeemed. But isn't he good at his job? Yeah. Dude, but damn it, does he get results. Ugh. And boy, is he Stuart Little's dad. Yeah. And boy, is he Stuart Little's dad. And he <laughs> Every adopted a, a mouse, but in the book, he actually impregnated his wife with a mouse somehow. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, way. But so all I'm saying is that, like, I think it's swung the other way, and I also don't quite like it, which is like, yeah, it's a superpower. Like, well, you're incredibly focused, the, and, and you're, you, everyone is a, has a savant angle to their abilities. Uh, yeah. I think the problem with it is that because autism is a spectrum, that it, it's a condition that people are, are aware of, but it's also, it's so broad mm-hmm. that it's like, it's, it's difficult to, to tell a story about it because it can manifest itself in so yeah. many ways. Yeah, and I think the problem Again, is... Again, why I would just avoid it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the problem too is that, you know, pulpy, serialized TV shows, you have to glom onto what's the most cinematically interesting thing to film, mm-hmm. and everybody just keeps harping on that one particular sy- symptom, which is not, on, not a symptom that everybody has, can I, right. but they're like, super focused, we can do super fast zoom-ins into their brain and show all the <laughs> equations that are probably bouncing around in their heads. Can I just say that, like, I just want to clarify. Perfect surgery, yeah. Not against outsized, completely trashy portrayals of anything. <laughs> no, I like that option, and too. I love, like, just shitty trash movies that are and exploitation movies I think they're yeah. a lot of the time really fun and I'm not trying to write them off the table but of course not no of course I mean look I'm, I'm the guy here saying everyone should see The Accountant yeah but <laughs> yeah. that's what I mean there should it be room cool. for both hey J.K. Simmons is good in it <laughs> um, and that's how it does it like in the aggregate is that you just have B-movies and you have smaller right. indie films but and I you think just collectively was the point that Matt more was trying to make is that yeah. like we're not there yet with no, like no. great representation but if we've way. swung in the other way. Yeah. 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 Right. And uh, so guys, Mozart and the Whale, we're an hour and 15 minutes into this episode. Uh, how much is there to say about the story? So they they kind of I have thoughts. Okay, <laughs> Mary, go ahead. I keep saying yeah. that. Are you going to be contrary? <laughs> yes. All right, <laughs> but, uh, but will you Easy be quite contrary? Always. So well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you're you're, you're gonna. Well, mm. I know Jake likes the movie the most. You did. I guess so. Yeah. Wait, I'm kind of curious. Wait, Jake, does this? Okay, without spoiling it, because you told us via text. That you had just seen Hereditary. I have. I have. I, What's I have that? It's the new horror movie. The new horror movie just, just came out. And um, because Matt, so guys, my brother's Patrick Williams, but I don't know about any 
new movies that come Mary's into Mary's always a shit. Every time Mary talks she's to me, she's just a sibling, she, but she's her own person. No, 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 every time Mary talks to me, she's always like, I haven't seen that. I'm like, Mary, don't. You don't need to apologize. No, I, don't care I actually think the opposite movies. happens, where Patrick's like, oh, such and such movie, and I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that. And then Patrick's like, how have you not heard of that? Everyone knows yeah, about that. Yeah, you can that. be mean. Uh, yeah, uh, you're a little bit shameful. Uh, do you want me to rewind and play what just happened? I just said, Mary, Hereditary is this horror movie that is just open. Yeah, I'm not saying I you do it Do you want to rewind a little bit earlier, though, when you talked about The Accountant and you were yeah. being mean? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was surprised because that was that was actually a big mainstream studio film yeah. with a bunch of big movie stars. Never be surprised that, about anything that anyone didn't see. Yeah. <laughs> that is the rule. I'm very sheltered. Um, and, okay, but what but, Pat's referring to is the fact that I gotcha. saw Hereditary And please uh, don't spoil recently. it because I'm hoping to see it tomorrow if I finish the yeah, new video. I'm not going to spoil it, but it, I was just saying, I had, I had texted Pat and Matt earlier today and was saying that having just recently seen that movie and then watching <laughs> Mozart and the Whale, or I should say finishing Mozart and the Whale because I watched it in parts, um, it like painted probably how I would... I think it softened how I would have critically. I, I, I think you, I would have judged. I believe you Mozart said that during critically. Hereditary you wanted, you thought you were going to throw up the entire time. I, I mean, that movie's <laughs> nasty. Then that's not spoiling anything. That's a nasty movie in all senses of the word. And then um, nasty like the screenplay. Yeah, for Hollywood yeah, Homicide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't. It's not like I have an overarching. I thought you were going to link the theme. Point, the no, yeah. I'm well, excited. How a little are they bit. connected? I don't want. See, this is the problem. We'll I don't want to talk about it on the year. podcast because it's like, in order to talk about the themes of the movie, I kind of have to spoil it. And, so and I don't, don't want to do that. And if you spoil it for me, I'll punch you. Exactly. So you and, saw Hereditary and it made you like Mozart and the Whale. Is the what we're getting? I think at? it's More. because Mozart and the Whale was nice and Hereditary is nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let's just stick with that because, in a very basic sense, kind of. Mary. Yeah. What are your thoughts? So. At one point during this movie, I wrote down, I don't believe anything about this movie. I just... <laughs> all, I'm not buying it. All of the emotional beats are false to yeah. me. Mm. Do you remember the big connection that Isabel and Donald have when they first meet is because there's this like awkward kind of like altercation conflict at the group, and then Josh finally blurts out, I just don't know what to say. And, and, then, like, wow. and then she's like, wow, a man admitted that. And I don't know what to say all the time. Like, that's literally their big connection moment. Yeah. Right. Are you kidding me? Oh, you're confused? I'm confused, too, sometimes. Wow. That's yeah. super relatable. I, just, I thought <laughs> the writing was yeah. bad. I hated the dialogue. <laughs> literally, the reason that the movie is called Mozart and the Whale is because on the first date, she dresses up as Mozart. They go to a no, Halloween party. A, okay, and can I just say, okay. we're going to a Halloween party, and I, this is my biggest issue with the movie. By, by far, biggest issue with the movie. Hmm. So this is 2005. This is right around the same time that Josh has turned down the role of Batman. Maybe. M maybe, but like... He could he could have potentially been Batman. Okay. No, he's on record as saying this film is the film that he turned down Batman for. Wow. And I watched an interview of him say it. Yes. And so that's actual but, footage. <laughs> and so... Roll the tape. But yeah. at this Halloween party, John Carroll Lynch, the great John Carroll Lynch from mm -hmm. Fargo, from Zodiac. He's the yeah. killer. <laughs> <laughs> from... from from uh, from the invitation, John Carroll Lynch is always great. Yeah, and John Carroll Lynch is going to the Halloween party. He says as Batman, and I was like, "Are we gonna have a Batman in the movie that 
Josh turned uh, turned out Batman four that came out the same year as Batman, and he was in the Drew Carey That's show. That's your biggest issue with <laughs> the no, 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 movie. No. And then we never see the party, oh, and, and Batman never shows up. Oh, Dude, Patrick. can you imagine if John Carroll okay. Lynch got the role? But they literally explain. Oh, that would be great. They explain that they're trilogy. not going to go to the party beforehand. Yeah, I know, but he said, but they said he's. I know. It would have been great. I wanted to it see. It would have been great. Mary, also, Carl wouldn't it be great to see John Carroll Lynch as Batman? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But well. everybody else is same, like Michael Caine and Tom Hardy. <laughs> And uh, Catwoman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty Cat Lady. Wait, yeah, but so Anne Hathaway, sorry. So yeah, and so to bring up John Carroll Lynch again. So John Carroll Lynch actually has a crush on Isabel, aka Rada Mitchell, and he is too scared to ask her to the Halloween party, and he wants right. Josh to ask her. Yeah. And Josh is trying to work up the courage to ask. Isabel for John Carroll Lynch but then instead Isabel's like I like you why don't we hang out why don't we go to the Halloween party together and then Josh says my friends dress up in costumes to hide themselves but I have a (laughs) I wrote this down but I have a costume at home and it reveals my true self that no one knows. And that's why oh. I won't go to the party because he's too scared to reveal this true self. That yeah. First of all, wow, like what an emotional, like insightful, beautiful thing to say. Yeah. Like also, once again, a little surprised someone mm-hmm. on the spectrum said that, but like, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's not yeah, a yeah. weird thing for someone to say. But I was like, wow, that's deep. And then of What's course, it gonna but who be? is he? Because it's what, in the title. What is it going to be? And then that just draws <laughs> Isabel in further. And she's like, yeah, instead of going to a Halloween party, let's just go on a date. You and I will dress up in our costumes. Mm-hmm. We won't have to be in front of anybody. We'll just have a date. All right, so then there's the reveal. There's Isabel waiting in this Mozart costume. In a very good Mozart yeah, costume. Yeah, she's amazing. In a beautiful costume. Straight up Amadeus like, Love movie yeah. replica. Yeah. Awesome. And like Makeup for, is done, For someone who, who, whose general outfits are kind of thrown together, she put a... Uh, this is a very put-together Mozart oh, yeah. costume. Oh, yeah. And then we can mm-hmm. cut to Josh at his apartment, and he has <laughs> this kind of like plasticky, <laughs> semi-inflatable, maybe... <laughs> Killer, it's very semi-inflatable. It's a killer whale costume with yeah. a giant red tongue hanging out of the mouth. Well, you know orcas. <laughs> well, yeah, you know orcas and their tongues. With their that's big how, Mary, Looney Tunes tongues. Mary, that's just who he is. And, yeah. Anyway, there's this he's whole a, delay. He's a whale. He's, he's an other kin. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he's saying in that film. Oh, but wait. Is this the first other kin movie? He, wow, because that yeah. that also is, has links to the spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> on I mean, the internet oh, anyway. Yeah. yeah, who is he truly at heart? He's a orca. He's a well. So that's the orca question man. because finally, yeah. or is then, he a whale? Because orca killer whale. Wait, and really, this is a tragedy because she just can't understand. So he's well, just trying to make her her understand yeah. that he's she a says, whale. So. Why are whales important to you? Oh my god, this sucked. And one of the reasons he (laughs) listed, well, uh, they're big. Yeah, he just has no reasons. Which also felt like a weird... Like dick joke. I was like, "Are we? Am I supposed to be reading?" Yeah, whales are you? big, They're man. Big, you know? Even a small whale um, is <laughs> a big, big whale. whale. So get on the whale tail, Gale. <laughs> All right. Uh, right. And then he says, you know, they're, they're, what does he say? Like they're always kind of on the outskirts. No, he says like I always felt kind of like invisible, um, but whales are huge, so you always <laughs> notice when they're, when they're around. <laughs> it's. So it's, bad. And, and that I, was it. I was like, okay, but you know what? This is significant, so we're going to come back to it. And then maybe yeah. later. I know like, this is coming. Once, Sorry. Once they get to know each other, then she'll ask him again. Like, can, I, can I read you the no, line? tell me. It says, oh, 
All my life I felt like I was on the sidelines, uh, watching the parade go by. When you're a whale, you are the parade. <laughs> what? Dude, so he's a parade. What so he hates being mean? a whale, but he is one, and then literally never comes up again except, like, I think later on when he's broken up with for a bit, uh, one of all his, like, friends in the in the support group try and go whale watching because they know it's his yeah. favorite animal. Oh, also, yeah. I so should So he d- did tell them about it. He, like, yeah. he, then he <laughs> asks Isabel, you know, why is Mozart, or maybe she just, you know, tells him. And she has a great explanation of, like, Mozart was this, like, you know, crazy, obsessive, passionate mm-hmm. person, and I relate to that. And she, we find out later, is a savant with music, and she loves classical music, and she right. writes her music. So she has, a, pitch. she has a fucking awesome explanation for why Mozart would be yeah. her costume that reveals her inner self. Well, you want to know something crazy that I was thinking about when I was watching this, you know, I, especially I considering think. that they're the way they characterize their symptoms is so different mm-hmm. was the my, my theory was unintentionally. It almost seems like Rhonda Mitchell's character isn't suffering from yes. low form a- autism. And the key to that is the fact that right at the beginning of the movie, when she's revealing her backstory, she mm-hmm. reveals something very, very dark, yes. which does not fit the tone of the movie, yes. which is otherwise very bubbly. And, but which well, is that well, she yeah. again remember this movie was substantially re-edited, right? And so and I so that's good to keep in and mind. And so I this is the thing that I've been wondering about. Yeah. If more of the movie, I, I guess if it were just more of a drama, yeah. And right. and her revealing her tragic past that she like ran away from a home and and was like got hitchhiked and, and hitchhiked a hitchhiker and, or she was a hitchhiker and got picked up by a and was driver. and was raped and was raped age, by the driver so also it was age 14 at age 14 yeah. kind of implied with the story that maybe she was like abandoned by her yeah. parents too which is awful well right. that's what the two I mean. flashbacks of never like picked their, up on it. she's just like quirky from that point she's on she's just quirky so she literally reveals that at the literal introduction of her right. character that's basically the first thing we learn about her and then it never comes up again right. except for the one thing i wondered is because when the only thing we see in the flashback we see her getting into the truck and then we see these metal we see beer bottles bottles oh, kind clinking of clink, together clinking together and so right, then there's yeah. a scene where there's They're the metal fair. ring toss and the sound of the metal clanging together makes her freak out and i was wondering if it was a p PTSD flashback. Yeah, like yeah, she's a trauma survivor. Yeah. That have been a previous. Well, that would have been an interesting twist. Was like yeah. she just sought out people to feel comfortable well, and superior what, yeah, around. Yeah, you and know then what was up, actually coming yeah. up for me is that she. That's like a more cynical movie. Yeah, 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 yeah that is. It struck. She struck me as someone that might have borderline personality disorder, which is if you've seen um, Girl Interrupted, Girl Interrupted yeah. is what her character maybe has. She, it's what she's right. diagnosed with anyway. But that's those are people who have trouble like. Creating boundaries with themselves. And is that have, a, is that still in the DSM as well? It or is, is it's, actually Pete Davidson was recently diagnosed. Ah, yeah, interesting. Hey, yeah, by the way, Pete Davidson, uh, congrats on your engagement to Ariana Grande, yeah, who started dating, dating a month ago. No, I think about twelve days ago. Damn, he's no longer with uh, uh, no, David, he, whatever Larry David's daughter. Or is that? Yeah, I, he literally broke oh, he up with her to get daughter? together with Ariana Grande, and now they're engaged. Um, and congrats, guys, on your on your engagement. And uh, unless you have called it <laughs> off by the time this episode premieres. But so Come on the pod. actually speak, speaking <laughs> of that, speaking of their engagement, actually, one of the symptoms of borderline personality disorder is just reckless behavior. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, really reckless behavior. if her character didn't keep saying like that, she yeah, has autism. She keeps exactly. going, I have autism. Yeah. Like the, both of them say it often. Yes. So <laughs> if she time. didn't keep saying that, you'd think it was like a, a movie about a romance with people that have two very, very yes. different trauma exactly. dealings. And I, yeah, trauma dealings or my, developmental disorders. Yeah. And my, opinion i think it would have been better 
If yeah. It was just like, you know what, I'm dealing with stuff too, but maybe not the exact same mental illness that looks totally different. Can I yeah, say another to understand each other's respective yeah. things? Yeah. Another thing that was kind of lame, but it was supposed to be kind of because Josh doesn't know how to deal with emotional issues because he's got, you know, he's on the spectrum or whatever, but like, he was just like, they're like in the greenhouse and he's just like, you know, I just got to say this, but I think, uh, I think the fact that you got raped was, was really bad. Yes! And he was, that, I, yeah, that's literally that the line. only other time it comes up. And it's never funny and good. And it's he's like, ne- wow, what a hero. Hot take, dude. Yeah. She, but she literally <laughs> is like, that took a lot of bravery She almost cried right watching now. that, yeah. Thank you so much. What? It just, what is that? <laughs> I mean, that was my reaction to the whole movie. Like, I realized that they're both on the spectrum, but none of these emotional beats make any sense. Well, none of them are earned. It made me really mad. Yeah, but no, what you could play with with that sort of movie, though, is We're the fact hot. that, like, things that would typically register as emotional beats, you can subvert that in the movie, which does make it, in its own way, an interesting movie, right? Right, like, yeah. But somebody it doesn't who, earn that. It does no, not earn that No, it doesn't. I agree with you, Mary. <laughs> But Mary, I'm on board with what you're saying. Jake's afraid. <laughs> I agree with you. And, uh, I think but I might the, quit the podcast. But the, you this, can be the new this is part of my problem for the whole movie because yeah. because all the main characters are on the autism spectrum, and so they all have have difficulty like socializing and stuff like that, and and just carry on normal conversations and 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 expressing their emotions. I kept wondering like. Whenever these scenes would happen, it would be like, "Is it? Do, do I think this doesn't work, or or is it just just these characters and and like like naturally like a, an authentic representation of of their behavior and and how they act?" Like I had this you know, like looking at the performances, I'm like, I don't I don't know what are good performances and what aren't. Yeah. I had such I I have such a hard time. Yeah, appraising so much of this movie because it's like I just know so little about autism, and I was like, things felt off to me. Mm-hmm. Like though, like that, those scenes all seemed weird and like they didn't work and unearned emotional beats. But then you know when characters and a lot of this movie is characters making big jumps or reacting intensely yeah, to something sure. until like oh after this one incident, you know they'll, they'll like they'll they'll break up and then they'll they'll. Get back together. Well, real well, quick. well, no, no. They they will leave like thirty something messages on the yeah. other's answering machine, mm-hmm. and then they'll and then he like he'll show up somewhere and they'll suddenly get back together. And because their their emotions kind of swing all over the place, it and and it does it doesn't follow the rules of most emotional arcs and most characters' emotions and behavior through movies where characters are not on the autism spectrum. I found it very hard to even just kind of just grasp what was yeah. what was you happening a, a lot of the time and, and, and figure out how I'm supposed to feel about things yeah. because like I don't know what's accurate and what's not I don't know if this or I don't know if it's bad writing or if it's just an authentic representation of of the, the, the but the, it puts you characters. on the defensive because then you're like well Am I bi? Are my biases misdirecting me? Uh, is this actually wonderful? And I'm and so I'm being <laughs> like totally disrespectful. Like maybe he doesn't understand the severity actually of rape, and he's trying his best right, to like right, robotically right. spit out a script he knows will help. Or is it just all horribly? They've gotten it completely wrong, and now I'm trapped in this mind 
prison where I'm wondering <laughs> whether or not it's the, like one of those oh. options, and they can just do whatever they want as lazy ass screenwriters <laughs> and the, never get questioned. There's that, so and, I, and I'm also yeah, wondering about it's about brilliant about about, <laughs> about the the, the, the post production changes. Yeah, and right. and. Do and they cut scenes out? It does seem like there's a, there's a, I mean, there's so much music yeah. and it's, there's a pretty decent, <laughs> well, we bought it, we're leaving it in. I know, right? and, and, but there's like an, an, a bunch of like montages set to this music and I, I'm wondering like, and because the thing is, if you look at just the other screenplays this guy has written, they are, they are, are, you know, fairly standard like studio Hollywood films, but at the same time, he's written a lot of functional, successful movies yeah. right. and that they usually like, like follow very classical structures. And this movie doesn't really. And also this movie, you know, it, it, it shot by this Norwegian director who, who shoots it. I feel like it's shot on 16 millimeter. It shot, it's a little grainy and sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, as much as, as much as like the, the, the version <laughs> that's available to. When I watched it. <laughs> yeah, the version that's available to, to stream is, is very like, it's not the highest quality, but it's also, it does not have traditional flattering Hollywood lighting. Most of it seems to be shot with just sort of like just uh, whatever the natural lighting there was at the time. Uh, no one looks glamorous. It, it, it had, I, liked the vi- I liked the visual uh, yeah, aesthetic I thought that of the film. Worked. It does have a very, both yeah. like indie and European kind of look to it. It's kind of like, a, it looks like almost a little bit like a Dog Me 95 I, I was film. I was yeah. thinking of, of like, like <laughs> I'm thinking like, like this looks like this, an but... early 2000s Lars yeah. von Trier movie. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But, and yeah, and, and so I'm just wondering, like, you know, Julian Donkey Boy vibes. You know what I'm talking about? But just everybody? thinking about the, the, the screenwriter, I'm, I'm like, his his movies, like, they 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 function. Like right. at the very like, like, looking at his IMDb page, it did make me think. Wait, this probably wasn't because of the script. Yeah, and and when originally I was like, wow. This script is, must be awful. Well, unless yeah. it is, <laughs> that's could the thing. Be, though. And, Dude, but, this uh, is the Suicide Squad of 2005. Mm. This got meddled with so hardcore. Yeah, this got chopped and screwed. Yeah, man. Honestly, this is it, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> Let me just say it again. This is the Suicide Squad of 2005. But it, that's not that's not totally <laughs> inaccurate because. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh mamma mia! Mamma mia! I hate all of you. Mia, Wait, go. have you guys actually seen that movie? Fuck you! No, I don't want to see that shit. Yeah, no, we got. You don't. You don't, you can't even talk about this, dude. I'm, I'm worried all get guys, damaged. Guys, I, I, <laughs> I was just so afraid that the the darkness of that, the Joker would come in me, and I turned I into dark. I saw that movie, again. and so you don't you don't get to talk about it until you've sat through it and experienced the torture of it. I'm good. This is what would happen: is like if I saw that movie, then I'd come back, and yeah, suddenly Dark Matt would take over and be like, "Matt, is that you? Matt's not here anymore." <laughs> don't you're already scaring me I don't like that he's all twisted now voice. I'm kind of twisted this is like David twisted. Ayers Matt it's like he's got <laughs> tattoos that, that tell you he's how damaged he is I wouldn't mess with me because I'm twisted <laughs> <laughs> he's damaged and he can climb anything uh, okay sorry, sorry. Th- that's going. a reference to Suicide Squad, uh, Suicide Squad because there's a character whose special ability is that he can climb anything he also dies 10 minutes after he's introduced and doesn't actually climb anything <laughs> But no, but he's he's just you can't climb climber? an explosion no, or a his gunshot. Is, his name is Slipknot, and he has like <laughs> grappling hooks and stuff. And but you also know he's gonna die first because he's the only character who doesn't get like a flashback introduction where they explain him. He just he's the last one to show up. Then he tries to escape, and they all have like little bombs implanted in their necks, and so that mm. if they try to escape, they can be killed. And they blow up his head. What if he done. just climbed somehow? Climbed his bomb. <laughs> If he can climb anything, yeah. why he can climb he, a bullet? Why can he invert his own body and climb? Can he climb his ideas? Bomb? Like, can he climb the idea of death? Yeah, and like, then climb someone, over it. If someone, just 
<laughs> yeah, climb over the de- idea of death, motherfucker. Yeah, come on. But it was like, not. But okay. Anyway, getting this back on track. Suicide Squad is famously a movie that ha- <laughs> the end. <laughs> that's like while being one of the worst movies I've ever seen in theaters. It's a little bit hard to appraise because. It was re-edited by several different people. It is like three different visions colliding. And it's it seems like they all might have been bad. Yeah. But but it's like Triple it, shit slurry. But, but, but this but but what it ended up being was not the original intent yeah. of the film. Sure. And so Mozart on the Whale is kind of like the the weird, more harmless indie movie version of it. Yeah. Where it seems like it probably wasn't gonna work in the first place. And then, uh, I, I, although that said, I would love to see what like Spielberg and Robin Williams would have done. I mean, I'm pretty sure it would have been Jack. better. Well, Mary, I wanted to play off Adams. Of, I wanted to like yet again the other thing that sort of confirms more your theory that mm-hmm. what's her face? Good. What? Oh, that she might not have that Asperger. she's just yeah. a traumatized kind of it's more a twist? borderline personality disorder type yeah. person is a. Uh, you know, it's like like so so they eventually get married and buy a house and then they have like essentially what's supposed to be like a sort of autism spectrum version send up of the like typical domestic dispute between yeah. and a, that's state, the ending, a stay at home wife and like uh, her guys, remember when she tries to kill herself? That's okay, well that was what I was about okay, to say. Okay, yeah. Was that yeah, he uh, Josh Hartnett's character like, I don't know, tells her to act normal for a little bit so that like yeah. his boss Wait no, isn't this when he asked her to marry him? No. Wait, oh, yeah, yeah, you're can, right, no, you're right. Can we back up? Yeah, so Matt is making a good point. <laughs> and I hear Matt's yes. point, and then we can talk about when she tries to kill herself. Sorry, I, I so thought that's first, where Matt was going. So Matt, go first, ahead. It is where I was going. there's the dinner party with, with uh, <laughs> Gary, Josh's boss. Gary Cole. Gary Cole. Right. And yeah, then, then after the dinner party, they break up, and then Josh is like, the way to get us back together is for me to propose. And then she right. does that really badly. But you were saying... Oh well, Pat was actually right. Uh, <laughs> ha! I was. Uh, I was just gonna say, Mary, the, you're trying to say that like Pat Patrick is always like talking over people well, and no. reacting. The no, I was right. We're talking about her suicide attempt. Man, guess which sibling pairing has a lot more smooth relations? That's right now. Pretty pretty seamless are over you, here. Are you Love trying you, to, buddy. Are you Love trying you to talk about Torpsus right now? Smooth relations. Whoa, hey, we don't bring up Torpsus. <laughs> hey, uh, that's I a premium I episode. I heard some. <laughs> you gotta pay a dollar ninety nine to hear us talk about. <laughs> I distinctly heard some kissy sounds uh, in these headphones. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> wait, wait, keep your point. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Jake. Uh, what I was saying was that, yeah, no, you were right, Pat. Uh, she suddenly is so overwhelmed by this. this <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing. Matt, this continue. Pr- this proposal. <laughs> well, you got me laughing, and I'm trying to say she tries to kill herself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> My brain is splitting, and it's right. more. It's it's just that is just again just more borderline personality, disturbed behavior rather than. Well, yeah, and I think it's all a response to her fear of abandonment, right? So yeah, she. So he yeah. So Josh has his boss, his new boss, coming over for the dinner party, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, like, can you just like play it cool, be a little normal." Which then sets her into a spiral, right? Because she's like, "You want me to be normal? Like, you I you don't can, like how I normally am. Right. You're embarrassed about me. You're embarrassed about me, right?" And so then she breaks up with him, and then 
all she wants is for them to remain friends. She's like, let's just take the pressure off this relationship. Yeah. And we can just be friends and you could be in my life forever, but we don't need in to stasis. be in a relationship. Yeah. Right. And then he responds by proposing to her because he's oh. like, no, this is this is what she really wants. We should be together. And then that freaks her out even more. And she's the line she says in response is like, you can't save me. Like, stop trying to save me like everybody else. There's also a lot of indications that she drops that she is, a, like, a lot more promiscuous or has been, and, like... Right. But that it's unclear, like, to what end or, like, what those situations were. Right. I don't know. I was, I was concerned. I was, like, like, again, because of her dark past, you know, I was wondering if it led to, like, almost, like, the opposite reaction where she was, like, very, like, promiscuous and, like, sleeping with guys, and also has she been abused... Yeah. More in the past because it sounds right. like she met, and it doesn't a really get into string that. of like kind right. of at least emotionally abusive or at least right. shitty like loser people that yeah. she'd been with before. So it keeps glossing over, and so she a lot liked to stuff. control the yeah. control aspect. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It pretty much skims over that stuff. But they get back and, together. Oh yeah, well, well the then they also you know when he gets when he gets to the hospital after. The suicide uh, she she poison and also like the, she takes pills. Okay. Yeah, and also the rest of the support group also shows up there. Right. And uh, right. but, but, but Josh Why? gets there and he's like, "How is she?" And they're like, "Oh, she already checked herself out." She's <laughs> yeah, and they just well, let her autistic. go. No observation. <laughs> oh, she's gone. I mean, like, you said you wanted to come to the hospital. Yeah, but see, going back to, is it just it's a tricky movie about you know a tricky subject, and then it got re-edited, or was it not a good movie? My <laughs> like <laughs> argument for it just not maybe being a good movie is that whole I don't know that whole like. Uh, sorry, I'm banging into my mic. The whole like transition of their relationship just feels really inconsistent to me because at first she's the one who's really high functioning and she's like, let me buy you a suit. Mm -hmm. Like I have this great job at the hairdressers and she's yeah. the one who can pass in public and he's like the weirder one. You know, he's talking yeah. about numbers all the time. Like people think he's a weird guy. She hooks him up with the job interview too. And so Yeah, and then she, so then she's the one who's like, I found a job for you and I literally vouched for you. Like I have all these connections mm. to get you this great job at a college where he's literally like, you know, doing chaos math, or doing whatever. chaos math. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he, he is a statistic and uh, sorry, statistic analyst. So close statistic to an account. analyst. And, and then she it's finds like a wrote house the glass. for them. Yeah. Yes, and she also finds a house for them. So right. she's the one pushing. She's, she's got like, good credit. And this is where I'm also wondering <laughs> how much they can afford a house. Like, what uh, kind I'm of money are they making? Yeah, I'm I mean, assuming they're renting. Working out. I don't think a really good one. Yeah, it's, but so it seems like she's the one pushing for this normalcy. She's the one who like can successfully navigate the regular world. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there's this dinner party with the boss, and that's when he's like, "Oh, can you be a little bit normal?" Which to me is weird because like. Respectively, she's a normal one in the relationship. And also, right. the the boss knows and the boss, that both of them yeah. have some yeah, version of autism like, or on the spectrum. Very accepting, like, yeah. totally open to it. So I thought that was weird. He says it outright in the interview, the job interview with yeah. Josh Hartnett. He's like, "I know that you have it," and uh, honestly, he's also kind of a cynical character. Because, like, to be frank, we're trying to do this also just to have like an appearance of inclusion and diversity yeah. within our own staff. But yeah, right, yeah, but yeah, but so then he comes for dinner and then 
you know, Isabel is freaking out. And one of the things she tar- starts talking about is like, oh, and he pays for everything. And like, I'm just the good little wife. And I'm very lucky that mm-hmm. like he pays for this house, which confused me because I'm like, I thought you were still working at the salon. I thought you were the one who got him this job. <laughs> so why is it suddenly this weird gender dynamic where you feel like Josh is totally the one in control when you seem to be the one calling the shots? Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. There's, there's a lot of the stuff where, where Josh does kind of well-intentioned things and it really sets her off into yeah i mean she she makes a lot of big jumps in this movie yeah. like i feel like she should have known better than to like redo his whole apartment without him asking or like like you know the, the way she acts like when the boss comes over for dinner and when he proposes to her it's like mm-hmm. he's he's really just trying to it's like make things nice and and just and, and make her happy and she always but and then i'm still not not entirely clear on what her symptoms are but why exactly. the dynamic shift is more what you're saying yeah because yeah. like yeah it's, it had the only explanation that would work maybe as a characterization is that she was spoiling for a fight to get out because yeah. it was starting to become i right. don't know maybe it's reaching that point that past relationships have been in past abusive relationships Right. And or, so maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe she's like... It's purpose- her MO. Yeah, it's her MO. She's like purposefully tanking this relationship because she's feeling scared and trapped. But right. I don't I don't believe that that's what yeah. the movie believed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just aren't given... It, it's not... That motivation isn't clear. There. Oh, and by the way, uh, after they break up again, then they pretty much just get back together and then the movie's over. Yeah, yeah should we and wrap up? Are we... Yeah, yeah really that's long. kind of the end of the movie. The they, they get married is the end of the movie. Yeah, there's the big reveal. There's the nice Thanksgiving dinner, which Isabel wanted to have. She wanted to have a house. They could have their friends over. Yeah. And That one guy with autism the most severely, like... Touches mm-hmm. the turkey with his bare hand. Just the full turkey. He puts like both his hands he, on the like, turkey. He slaps the turkey. Oh, so nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ew. It's like he's not, like, he wants to wrestle the turkey. <laughs> hey, dude. Yeah, but yeah, there's but- the big reveal where he says like, does she say like, thank you to my husband? Yeah. And you're like, oh, the, they're married. She swirls a glass and of wine. And a big like, you know, crane shot almost of the full table. <gasps> yeah, but they pretty much, I'm, I'm looking at the, the plot summary on Wikipedia just to remind myself. And it... Pretty much just like once again, they've broken up and then uh, they just like call each other again. And <laughs> they then break they, up a lot. They break up And then they get back twice. together. Maybe three it, times. It, I didn't get the feeling that at the end it's like, oh, they've, they've gotten past all those obstacles and right. differences that had. We didn't had been even get a before. kiss. Like, give us a romantic kiss. You That's know? true. Yeah. Something and, and, not, and we know that they're not the particular type. They don't have the particular symptom where they don't like touch because they've had sex earlier in the right. movie. Oh, right. Yeah, that and was they, they were touching scene. each other's faces. That was a really weird scene. You know? It was. Anybody want to talk about that elephant speech? Nope. Nah, <laughs> nah we're, we're all good. Sorry, we'll leave that for you the can guess. To Pretty much every other Josh Hardett movie, we've had one part of the podcast where we break down a particular sex scene <laughs> okay. in the movie. That happens yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, Josh has some funny sex really scenes. He's bad so far. With these guys. Yeah. yeah. And uh, maybe that's what he... parachutes, flowers, <laughs> what else? Flower petals. Well, I mean, if, you're, if you go into 40 Days and 40 Nights, you got multiple ones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got a bunch. Yeah, but um, you got, you got flowers and you just got the handcuffs. Mm. Yeah, dude. Uh, but anyway, but that, then yeah. they just kind of get back together. And so, so here's my question for all of you. Yeah. Because I'm not sure I have an answer. Is there a way this movie could have worked? Actually, wait, no. Pause that. Jake, what did you like about this movie? Um, I think 
we've kind of talked about it a little bit, so I won't get too deep into it, but I think the amount of confused aspects to this film make it too hard to judge in its own, like in a, in a very cohesive whole sense. So I think I just appreciated the fact that there was a movie about uh, people trying to work around particular neurodevelopmental disorders that they have and still make it work. And um, the movie felt unique, and in, in some ways, even though we're making fun of the lighthearted tone, trying to cover a dark subject, I almost kind of appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that there was a movie out there that tried to at least take that angle, even if it failed. Um, I think, and so it made me kind I think of that's a good point. like the movie, I, just yeah. for that reason. I, mean, I was like, nobody else is going to try and do this. I can't think of a single other movie that deals with subjects like this that either doesn't just go f- headfirst into the dark nature or like you know the the sadder depressing aspects of this um watch the other sister it's good yeah can i make a film recommendation go for it that i feel like handles this topic and and does uh handles it uh really well yes and it's called the accountant it came out in 2016 (laughs) it's a gavin o'connor film and you know what guys he's directing suicide squad too hell yeah (laughs) um i would like to recommend people watch the movie oasis which came out in 2002 and it's a south korean film uh, by a director called lee chang dong and um it's it's not about people with autism so do not get me wrong i'm not (laughs) trying to say that the characters in this which have totally different uh, physical and mental disabilities is the same thing as people with autism, but it does deal with a romance with two people that are struggling with very, very ingrained aspects of their personality. And it touches on a subject that this movie skirts around, which I think is super interesting, which is how everybody else that doesn't have right. the particular ailments they have um, interact with the fact that these two have a romance right. with each other. Right. That's a good point. And yeah. that mo- and that movie is truly great. And you should go see that one and not this one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's I, streaming on Prime for oh, free. Hey. So. Wait, what's it called again, Jake? Oasis. Oasis. Cool. I will say, uh, as you were talking about that, you were kind of reminding me that as much as I don't think this movie really works, there is something I think about its like admirable intent that yeah. still makes me respect it more mm-hmm. than. Other movies we've we've covered on this yeah. podcast. Uh, well, I mean, he, he, Here on Earth is just a, a monstrous <laughs> film. Yeah, we won't even. Just, you saw it, right? Just, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. just just like a, a truly repulsive, just morally corrupt piece of cinema. But <laughs> well, no, that's just a steaming pile. That's cinema with an S. <laughs> Cinema, yeah, Sin City, Sin Enema, or something. Sin Enema, it's, it's just terrible. Town and Country is, oh yeah, yeah, is a morally evil movie, mm. yeah. right? And, yeah, and <laughs> okay. But, yeah, but so my question for all of us, the, yeah. the last thing, because we should wrap this thing up. Let's do it. Um, is do you think there's a way that this could this movie could have worked? That they could have taken this concept and made it work? Because I'm every episode. If the movie doesn't work, I'm constantly trying to figure out how I would fix it, fix it, how I would change things about the the screenplay or approach to make it more functional and, and and make it because you know I think in general I believe just about every idea mm-hmm. can the, the, there are no bad ideas, only bad executions or well, whatever. Yeah. And, and so, but know, this movie is it's hard it, to it, answer that question because it's hard to tell what's wrong. Like, right. yeah, is it the editing? <laughs> is it the script? Is it a poorly researched portrayal of autism? Which yeah. is still a question I have. That's the problem is that we can't identify what the problem you know, is. Oh, you know what? Well, it's based on, I wonder if they tried this and it just was a hard no, but like 
what you could do is try and license the actual story of the people it's yeah. based off of, and that yeah. way you have it then, like, you have the cushion of based on yeah. the account of the people, potentially, who right. experienced it. Mm-hmm. And and also, and a thing that I am wondering about, because part of me appreciates the fact that they didn't do the thing that pretty much every other movie that deals with autism does, which is has a, a non-autistic character as kind of the, the audience surrogate right. to kind of like for us to experience this through and, and, and learn everything through. And this movie doesn't do that, which I think, again, is an admirable choice. But I wonder, would it have been more effective if there were was at least one major character not on the autism spectrum? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just but that's the exposition. Bold, that's the bolder thing about the movie. <laughs> right. And I wonder if the movie could both succeed but still not have any of the mm. major or bigger supporting characters uh, be a character without autism and still also keep a romantic comedy tone throughout the entire thing and be a movie that doesn't somehow do a disservice to autism. Can you actually do that and do it in a I way that can. it feels good? I think you could. I would like to think so. I'm sure there's a way. Yeah. But, but it's again, a delicate the, line. This is very much a, a thing for me where I'm just like, yeah. I wouldn't want to try it. Yeah, exactly. I would st- I would say no thank you to, <laughs> to that if it came across it's just my like desk. like Josh said to Batman yeah, for this gonna, movie. It's going to require someone with a lot more talent. Yeah. And that, oh, oh man. And, and here, this would be a great one to ask Josh about. But Josh, if you're, li- if you're listening, we, we, we respect what you were going for with this movie. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Because Josh, I know, has feelings about the making of this movie and, and disappointments about how it, it turned out. But also, I mean, this there, because think about how big a deal this is. Josh turned down Batman, which obviously would it, what was one of the bigger movie franchises of the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Especially if Josh was in The Dark Knight, that would have been like, he, he would have straight up been in one of the, the like five biggest movies of the past yeah. 20 years. Mm-hmm. And... To make this movie, which got just no, which no one saw. Yeah, it was it, it was. Pre- um, I don't want to say because maybe he was creatively fulfilled with this, but he turned down what would have been a bigger opportunity than he could have even imagined <laughs> to make something that nobody saw. Yeah, and I listened to an interview with him where he talked about this, and just in retrospect, because it was from fu- 2015. How, oh, okay, great. When he was talking about this, and he just said that he's like. You know, it's one of those classic questions. It's like, do you have any regrets in the past? And he just said, there was a turning point in my career, and we've talked about this a little bit, I think, where he had obviously met with Christopher Nolan for Batman Begins and maybe The Prestige as well. I think they were like um, a package deal. And and Josh has said, at the time, I was so um, in my own head about being pigeonholed based on the movies that I'd already done. Mm -hmm. And he was like, for me, it was a very intense turning point, like in my personal life too. It was one of those things where he was like talking about it with his friends and family. And like, this is where I make that big decision, right? And he's like, I wanna like be able to take more challenging material. And I guess he probably looked at other superhero movies at the time. You know, you got the X movies. And he's just like, it's not the way to go if I'm going to start to be taken credibly as an actor. And I think he made a decision that he full well thought was like the best thing to do and and the more interesting thing to do. Have been so pigeonholed. Yeah. You know, like Christopher Reeve and. Yeah, exactly. And And, and he didn't know there was going to be like it is nowadays where it's like, oh, early in your career, you do the superhero movie and then you've got that franchise to fall back on like right. every three years and then you can do anything else you right. want. Yeah, well, that's what he said too because he, he said he looked at Christian Bale's career after having picked Batman and he's like, 
Christian Bale had a great career <laughs> and did yeah. lots of fascinating and interesting movies. And he's like, I've always admired his work. And um, he's like, having been able to make that decision in my life and then watch this other actor who he's like is equally talented um, go on and do all of these fascinating projects that were much more like consistently well received and seen. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, and he's and one. he's basically just like, he's like, now I know. I wouldn't know if I didn't make the decision, but like. You, you can pick the superhero movies, and he's like, I would never do that if offered now to turn it down, because he's like, to be pigeonholed, it's like, you just work hard to not, it's like, to turn down an opportunity, he's like, you can still be in cool projects, and he's like, I just didn't see that at the time. Yeah. I, which which I, can, it, I, I can see, especially uh, when you consider that he was coming off a string of, you know, yeah. And so I watched this interview with with Josh last night. Yeah. He, I think he's promoting Wicker Park, but he was on Josh Andrews. Uh, he was on uh, Jonathan Ross yeah. in the UK. Wassy, ah. Wassy, Josh Wassy, and and you've got and Jonathan Ross keeps asking him about Hollywood Homicide, which came out the previous year, and you have Josh being so because famously or not famously, but we know that Josh and Harrison Ford did not get along, right. and Jonathan Ross keeps asking about Harrison Ford being like Harrison Ford must be really interesting to work with, and Josh, you can you, especially if you know the, the <laughs> his eye twitch, but but he can, he's so clearly not thrilled about how that went, but he's also he's very polite and diplomatic, mm-hmm. and then Jonathan Ross is just like and. You were in Pearl Harbor. That was obviously a, a terrible movie. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Josh is just like, he, he just says, you know, some of the movies I, I've, I've been in, you know, they, they didn't turn out quite how, how I hoped they would. But uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to pick things that I, th- I, I <laughs> think are interesting. bleeding. <laughs> but, but, and right there, you, you just have, I mean, like, like look, the, the thing with these movies is just, you know, you sign on for a movie. It's like a year of your life, yeah. and uh, and you you hope for the best. And it is so like kind of a crapshoot in terms yeah. of how these things turn out. I mean, I do think that's one thing that this podcast has made me realize is just like how powerless actors are in Hollywood. And until you reach a point in your career where you can demand things and until, you have well, a producer credit, and yeah, literally until you can get to the Tom Cruise part where you can say, "I'm only going to work with the best directors in the world," right. which most people don't. Get to do. Right, you're so powerless, and even if you, even if from the outset a project looks so good, it has a great director and it has a great studio behind it and producers and all this, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Somebody drops out and somebody re-edits the movie, and yeah. I, mean, I feel I feel like we're going to get into this in uh, especially in our Black Dahlia episode in a couple weeks, where it's like oh, that yeah. seems like such a surefire thing. A legendary director, great source material. And I haven't seen the movie yet, so I, we'll see how. But we'll see. The reputation is but that we've it didn't heard. Go great. But so, guys, <laughs> we'll I, see does anyone heard. have any final thoughts about Mozart well, and the Whale? I mean, do we want to all go around and say whether we thought Josh worked well in the film? We haven't really talked yeah, about. Yeah, like, I have such a hard time figuring yeah. out, just like gauging this performance. I mean, I will say, to me, he was like the one endearing aspect of the movie. Like, I thought he had a compelling performance. And I wasn't sure if it was accurate or not, but I thought he was really sympathetic. Yeah, I, th- I thought he worked. I yeah. thought he worked for me. Uh, having seen the entirety of his previous films, uh, <laughs> I know the various ranges he's gotten to play in. And I will say, yeah, that like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience dealing with the people on the autism spectrum. Like I, I've met a, you know, a handful of people over the course of my 30 years on this earth. Um, but... I mean, yeah, he definitely evoked something. And yeah. he certainly was sympathetic, which might be more important than anything else. It's, it yeah. felt to me like, uh, 
and I do think his character was written a bit better than Rada Mitchell's character. Yeah, it, sure. it felt to me like a consistent performance and like a a fully formed character, like regardless of of its accuracy mm-hmm. with autism. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, and th- I, I th- this was a step outside of what he's done up until now. Oh, and, yeah. and generally, I I, th- I enjoyed Josh in the movie, even if not the best material. Yeah. I don't think the, I think we all agree. The acting is not what we had a problem with yeah. when it comes to this film. Exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so good job. So, so do, so do we, ha- so Mary, as you probably know, having listened to this podcast, I uh, <laughs> I, uh-huh. we are, uh, our, our, our very loose, uh, sort of grading metric for this mm. is if we have a heart on H I R T or, or not. Yeah. Is and, it a heart on, for the film or for... Usually for Josh for is Josh. what we tend to mean. Yeah. Mostly Josh. I would right. say I have a heart on for Josh. Yes. And I absolutely do not for this film. I, I agree. Mm. <laughs> I agree. I um, got a heart on for Josh, of course. <laughs> of course. Always stand by your man. And then because this is a spectrum. Uh, <laughs> I have... Yeah, I've got like there's some stirrings happening, but for the movie, for the most part, mm-hmm. but um, most of them are are driven by an appre- like a kind of admiration for it having been made. I'm just can I just second Matt's? Yes, I yeah. have a hard yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, and so great, good app guys, good job. So Yay. so Mary Willems, yeah, my wonderful me. sister, yeah. <laughs> Is there anywhere that listeners can find you on so, the internet? I thought about this. I have no public platform whatsoever. Like oh, you, you have a locked private Instagram account. Yeah, so Good all of my social media is private. Every time Patrick tags me in a picture on his Instagram, some of you lovely followers try and follow me and you know, like no hard feelings, but I just reject those uh the random I think that's yeah, a smart like, choice. I mean, you're all lovely. I just you your account you, is for a family and friends. Yeah, you don't know me, uh, yeah. so you might. <laughs> don't make us sound like we're it. sick people. No. Strangers I mean, can follow me. You guys work in a in this medium and like have public platforms. So that's great. Mm. And so you might you'll probably see me on Patrick's Instagram, and you'll and, probably and, see and hey me. hey Mary, the last video you were in is currently at 119,000 views. Oh really? Hell yeah. yeah. So oh, 119,000 nice. views have seen Mary that's because of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say, one comment said, "Hey Patrick, your acting sucks, but your sister is good." <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I work at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. If you're in New York, come Whoa, on by. Okay. <laughs> All right. You give people a physical location instead of no. a website. Don't like a geo location don't point. Don't ask to... for me, but <laughs> but, but visit the place. You, you recommend it. That is true. Go I visit the Brooklyn it. Botanic Garden. I plug Gardens. BBG. It's oh hell yeah! yeah. It's, a, it's great. It's, it's a nice place. Yeah. And um, I feel like we've all said ours yeah, a bunch. I don't really. Well, I want to say mine again. Guys, you do it every episode. All right, all right, Jesus go, go, Christ. Go, 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 right. Uh, I'll do mine then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt.sucks uh, at in- that's Instagram, uh, at Matthew Torpy on Twitter, and trickscomic.tumblr.com. That's trick spelled like the cereal. It's about a cereal mascot. <laughs> Good. I'm JR Torpy on Twitter, and uh, I don't have anything else I want to share. <laughs> I work on stuff, but I don't have anything that I share online. Well, guys, uh, and you can watch the videos that we all make at youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. And uh, last week's video is is the big one on the Jurassic Park sequels where you can watch see Matt and I covered in blood Mm. and uh, Jake saying the word dino a lot. It's uh, and. Uh, I, there might not be a new video this this week because we'll have had a, a busy weekend ourselves. But uh, the, the next one, there's going to be a, a big one coming up. 
on Steven Soderbergh and heist movies and a new one with my parents, Mary and my parents, <gasps> that I'm going to shoot next week. And or actually, wait, no, I, I will have shot that the day that this episode is uh, premiering. And so beyond those videos, which you should obviously watch, follow me on all the social medias at Patrick H. Willems. And for this podcast, we want to hear from you. Uh, tweet at us at HeartHeartNet on Twitter and send us some emails. And use hashtag Wilsibs. Hashtag Wilsibs uh, at HeartHeartNet at gmail.com. And, of course, if you got a few spare minutes, uh, go over, over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll be back here next week. We'll, ready? Talking about... Slevin. Slucky Slumber Slevin. Because next week we need to talk about Slevin. Hashtag the Brothers Torpy is better. Is better. Hashtag the Slurpy. Until next time. Yeah, the Slil Slibs. Sleep well.